But speaking of getting to this point, we're about 30 minutes into the movie. <laughs> Maybe. We'll get to <sighs> A two-to-one ratio of, of commentary to, to film, I think, is... That's about what Lord of the Rings did, right? Yeah, th- so we'll I consider think, this podcast like the Lord of the Rings director's cut version Lord, of Lord the, the Rings movie earned it. I think so did Sky High. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Movie Struck, a podcast about movies and the people who watch them. I'm your host, Sophia Ricciardi, and I'm joined today by my dear friend and one of the only rules lawyers that I can stand in D&D, Austin Funk. Austin, welcome to the show. Oh, hello. Thank you for having me. Um, would you say I'm a friend of the pod? Uh, yeah, we could say you're a friend of the pod. I assume that yes. everyone who comes on this podcast, since we do have new guests every single week, it's quite the circle of friends that you're joining. But yeah, you could you could be a friend of the pod. Welcome to the crew. It's so exciting. I've never been a friend of the pod before. That's why I ask. <laughs> but it, it feels like nickname rules where if you, you can't nickname yourself, you can't make yourself a friend of the pod. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I do. I, I wanted to ask, but Yes, you can. All right, we're off to a fantastic start. If you'd like to alter your Twitter bio to say friend of the pod, you're more than welcome to. You've earned that title. I will. (laughs) When I plug at the end, you'll know that it's my uh, Twitter because in the bio it will say friend of the pod. (laughs) Excellent, excellent. Well, on this podcast, every single week, along with having a different guest, we watch a different movie of the guest's choice, which is why, Austin, I only have one question for you today, and that is why did we watch Sky High? Why did we watch Sky High um, is an age old question. Uh, <laughs> so for for context for it, um, when you were, because like, as you said, this is just the third episode. I haven't actually heard any that have gone up yet because I don't think any have been released yet. So when you were describing it to me, uh, I obviously I hadn't heard any. Um, mm-hmm. You would describe the concept and say I could pick any movie. I was super excited and I was thinking like, do I want to do like a classic that I've never seen? That would be really cool. Do I want to do like a movie that I love, but I've only seen like once? Like I, I strongly considered like Princess Mononoke because mm-hmm. I love that movie, but I've only seen it once, uh, even though it uh, haunts my mind in all of my waking hours. <laughs> um, and then you told me that the other movies that had been done were, um, I believe, Rubber and Flushed Away. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm what I've learned so far in this podcast, it's a little bit of a like social experiment into what people do if you give them just complete free reign. What I've learned is if you give people complete free reign to pick any movie in the world, they pick the movie that no one ever wants to watch with them, which is why I have, so far, I've watched Rubber and Flushed Away, and now Sky High. Yeah. It, immediately, I was like, oh, I can't. I'm not going for a classic. Um, so the <laughs> next the next thing I went to was there is this slate of uh, it's a handful of movies that I watched to death when I was like... I want to say like maybe in like the 12, maybe 13 range. These movies that I have stopped watching, like just animated, you know, just, I mean, I love animation. I don't like, want to talk about Princess Monogna, okay, all that stuff. But I've moved on from just watching Dumbo over and over again. <laughs> uh, but I'm not yet to like actually trying to develop taste. So it's just these handful of movies I've come across that I've seen them one, uh, that I see them and I'm like, I like that movie. I'll watch it over and over. Van Helsing is one. Um, the pacifier is one which of course is the basis for all of our friendships yes of course um, uh, and sky high is absolutely one and so i've had this morbid fascination for years with oh the scooby-doo movies uh the live action scooby-doo movies also definitely one mm-hmm, i've mm-hmm. had this morbid fascination are these movies actually good <laughs> i haven't rewatched most of them since i was 
in that age range, or if I have, it's been like once, or I'm watching it with friends, so I'm not really paying attention, not watching it with the sort of um, detail that I usually go through. Uh, so I had this morbid fascination. It's the perfect opportunity to get into that. And so Sky High, I watched it, you watched it. There's so much to discuss. There's so I don't much to, to discuss. Take any more time. We gotta get into <laughs> we it. We gotta just jump right in. It's it's definitely a movie, uh, and I, I have a lot of feelings about it. But here we go with our first Disney Channel original movie of the podcast. Very nice opening, lots of comic book font coming in strong. We're introduced to these heroes through our uh, as of yet unintroduced narrator, Commander and Jetstream, the two most powerful superheroes of their time, Commander being uh, this Kurt Russell, because it's just Kurt Russell. Um, Who we stand. Yeah, <laughs> we, just Kurt Russell. Just Kurt Russell. Uh, but he's also invulnerable and super strong, um, as Kurt, Kurt Russell is in real life, as we all know. And Jetstream, who can fly and also is very good at martial arts. Martial arts. I love that they include <laughs> that. They were like, yes. so there's the strong guy who obviously requires no skill. He's strong. Mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. all know that's the best power, obviously. And also she flies and we have to come up with something. She does martial arts. It's, I, it's sort of the like black canary <laughs> problem where they're like, we need this woman on the team, right? And she has a superpower, but it's not necessarily inherently that strong in and of itself. So we got to make her good at fighting. Like, it's cool what yeah. she can do, but it needs more like practical applications. So I guess we'll make her a Which, martial artist also. <laughs> by the way, never comes up in the movie. Could have cut once. that line out. Not once does she do <laughs> martial arts. Not uh, sorry for once. you if you haven't seen it. Spoilers. I guess those are coming anyway, though. Yes, the, um, the blanket statement for these podcasts is if you haven't seen the movie we're talking about, you might want to go watch it before the podcast or listen to the podcast and then watch it afterwards after we've reached our verdicts. Because <laughs> A strong might in the case of some of these movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sky high? We'll find out more. But we're introduced to Commander and Jetstream. They're our, our heroes at large, but they are also real estate agents at large has revealed their secret identity mm-hmm. as a married couple that sells real estate, which we honestly see them selling more real estate throughout the movie than we do That's... doing superheroics. A second thing, yes. Oh my God, there's so much to just dissect in this first part. A second huge thing is that we see so much real estate, which I love. Also, I feel like, to my mind, there aren't any other superheroes whose secret identity is real estate, or the secret cover is real estate agents. I don't think uh, so, but so it's I a love good that cover it's not... story. It's a great cover. I love that it's not them working at a newspaper mm-hmm. because the newspaper thing is a weird antique from the days where newspapers were ubiquitous. I love I love that they were real estate <laughs> and that they seem to really love their jobs. They it do. comes up a lot there how is... much they work <laughs> as real estate agents and how much they enjoy it, even to the point where later on they're like, well, our son won't be a superhero, but... But, but he, he could, could take over the real estate, estate empire. That was a throwaway <laughs> so line good. later in the movie that I think it's so, it's genius. There's, there are, a, this movie is, and maybe this is best for a sum up, but this movie is great, I think, because it's super funny for two reasons, because it, it threads this needle in that it is completely earnest. It is not mm-hmm. like, haha, superhero, whatever. Um, but it also doesn't take itself too seriously. It threads this like, perfect this perfect line i feel like yeah it, it's kind of it's definitely one of those kids movies that is it's still it, a lot of the jokes still land when you're an adult and even the kind of campier ones still lend to the overall charm of the movie um which we'll see when we get more than about two minutes in because we are st- still in the introduction we're still maybe 90 seconds <laughs> maybe in. 90 seconds uh our young narrator uh talks more about his parents being real estate agents and then he reveals, you know, but I just call them mom and dad. This is, these are the strongholds, the parents of Will Stronghold. He is our 
hero, our young protagonist of the film. He is trying to lift weights unsuccessfully. Oh, his... I love this little... I love this little 2000s nerd. Oh, so um, I love his, his giant 2000s hair. <laughs> he has so much hair. I love his um, cliche teenager bedroom. I looked pretty hard in his bedroom to see if there was anything that I recognized. And the only thing, because he has cliche teenage room filled with posters, just mm-hmm. totally cluttered. cluttered. Yep. The only thing I recognized was an Aquabats poster, which tells us so much about him <laughs> unintentionally, I think. <laughs> this movie works so, so hard weird. to not directly reference superheroes people would know while also constantly referencing superhero tropes. I think there's only like yeah, well, two that's... or three times that I can definitively point and say like, oh, that's a direct like Batman reference. Or that's a direct Wonder Woman reference. Whereas every other moment it's like, we're going to dance around the concept of superheroes and the tropes that are associated with their stories, but we're not going to direct name drop Batman in this movie with well, like with like one exactly. distinct exception. There's the, yeah, the very end, there is a throwaway, mm-hmm. uh, which sort of loosens and uh, like I'm, they're allowed to shake the world building a little bit yeah. that's totally okay <laughs> this movie is extremely earnest and just very lighthearted. it's it's disney they don't channel need to original movie. Canon, yeah. but it's very explicit uh it it feels explicit that these superhero tropes that we understand do not exist in their world and that's why there's not really genre savviness mm-hmm. there, there's a little bit but it's more like genre savviness in the sense of people who are going to high school who have watched high school movies than people in a superhero movie who have watched superhero movies which is super intentional i think yes uh it's it's brilliant in the in how much they they thread that line because i think it'd be super easy to slide into like oh these characters weaponize their genre savviness because they're young people in a world of superheroes and that's what young people in superhero worlds tend to do It's sort of like the same problem that Spider-Man: Homecoming was. This is kind of a different caliber of movie, but kind of the Spider-Man: Homecoming school of thought on superhero high school movies, where it's this is more a high school movie than it is a superhero movie. It is absolute. Which when we get to the third act, we'll we'll touch (laughs) on that. But yeah, that's exactly. There's two thirds, no, three quarters of this movie. All of the conflict is just high school and click related. And they have superpowers with this background um, threat of this unknown figure who keeps appearing, who is spying on the strongholds. That's the that is the cue that we will get a real superhero final showdown later. But most of the movie, all of the conflict is solely about uh, <laughs> clicks and disappointing parents, and that's what's so brilliant about it. Is like, I, <laughs> really, it might be a strong word. That's what's so great about it. It recognizes, I think, the same thing that the like CW shows recognize in in their strength is that people show up for superhero things because they like seeing character drama, and then they like seeing internal uh, like character drama externalized in superheroics. Yes, they don't just care about people saving the world in and of itself. That in a vacuum is uninteresting, and so the fact that they hold off so long on like there's going to be a big bad and a final fight that it's mostly like superpowers making high school more dramatic is. Mm-hmm. It's the perfect, uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, and this is something maybe I'll touch on a little bit more because there's a specific scene I have in mind that uh, really exemplifies it, but it's the the screen language they use 
is really the part of the movie that plays into the superhero tropes more than the high school ones because all of the writing, mm-hmm. all the performances are definitely more into what you were talking about earlier. It's about the click drama. It's about the personal struggles of Will trying to tell his dad about his school life struggles. But the camera is focusing on elements that are more in line with the superhero story. The way that they're cutting it is like these classic kind of heroic tropes. So it, it's a really interesting interplay between they kind of these- the screen language and the actual plot of the movie in a lot of ways yes they do these dutch angles so these super many. dramatic dutch angles so many so dutch many angles. of them there's so many and the the costuming too because mm-hmm. we see this as we start to meet all the characters the costumes are ridiculous they're like all they're all wearing these like super saturated bold colors everyone has a color palette that they stick to yes uh, it's very powerful. so Rangers. much so that one character is literally <laughs> named magenta <laughs> Which is it's ironic so, because she doesn't yeah. really actually wear any magenta. She wears other shades of purple more, but we we have not gotten to her yet. <laughs> Truly, um, one of my favorite. We'll meet her soon. We'll meet She's her soon. A delight. Um, we're we're in the morning. We're in the morning. Will is yes. uh, getting ready for his first day of high school at Sky High. His father's alma mater. His parents are in the kitchen. They're you know getting ready for the morning as well. They're both dressed up like real estate agents at this point. Uh, his old childhood friend runs over. She's a vegetarian, as is established in one of her first lines. Yep, Daniel Panabaker. <laughs> yep. yep. We know everything we need to know about a 2000s character because she's a vegetarian. Yes, and she wears a lot of green. And she does the recycling. She wears a lot of green. Yeah. <laughs> so as you can probably infer, she has plant powers. <laughs> Very poison it's ivy not super deep here. vibes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's a lot of shorthand. A lot, a lot, of, of, lot um, of shorthand. Bl- blunt shorthand. <laughs> Uh, one title I would like to draw attention to is that my boy Michael uh, Giacchino. Jack, this, yeah, Gia- I can I, never decide how to say his last name. I've talked about it with. Uh, um, I believe it's Giacchino. <laughs> See, that's what I thought, but then uh, I was talking to a friend of ours who speaks some Italian, and he was like, "Well, actually, it would be like Giacchino," and I'm like, "Okay, this is we're losing the thread here." Um, he did the score There's, on this movie. <laughs> there is a video. There is a video that I found online of him saying his name. Okay, and I I should have rewatched it, but I, I swear it's Giacchino. You know yeah. what? We'll leave it to we'll, we'll leave it, it to the internet. We'll leave to it to the internet. Uh, it's not up to it's not up to Mike anymore. <laughs> he did. He was he liked a tweet of mine once, and I think that that's really when I peaked as a person. Oh um, my god, that's huge! I know, right? He did the score on this movie. He also did the score on every season of Lost, the live action Speed Racer, The Incredibles, another notable superhero movie. Most of the like Disney Pixar stuff um, that you've seen in the last ten years or so. Rogue One. Yes, he he's, did up. He did up. He's I believe. Yep. Yeah, uh, he's he's a genius. So you know, lending his talents to Sky High amazing (laughs) yeah he seems to be the like go to work for uh, i don't want to say work for hire because that has a certain connotation Mm -hmm. on like just getting the job done without much creative input i'm trying to be political here but he certainly is the guy that everyone seems to go to and is willing to work on maybe anything yeah he's <laughs> like he's he definitely so got um, this like versatility to him that i think because he he doesn't get um put up in the same echelon as like your han zimmers and your john williams that much which i really think he should because but they I do think the he's, same thing yeah he's more adaptable they like, he's really good yeah. at like not only working off of because he did rogue one which of course is a fantastic score but also was meant to sort of imitate the john williams star wars score but it's its own unique thing and he's he's very good at adapting within certain spaces that he's introduced to and fitting different tones and different different types of projects in a way that i think is 
as skilled as being very good at one thing, which is what the Zimmers and the Williams kind of fit into. So I'm always very excited when I see his name pop up on a movie. And it pops up so much I... more than you expect it to, because he is, like you mentioned, he kind of works on yeah, he's just everywhere. about everything. Yeah, he's just about everywhere. So it's yeah, scary. You, you, yeah. I did not realize he did I didn't even high. realize. Exactly. <laughs> and as soon as it came out the first time I was watching it, I was like, oh, of course it's this him. is yeah. this is freaking perfect. Yeah, He does a lot of work for Disney, too. So I'm not too surprised that he popped up in the Disney Channel original movie world. Anyway, these two kids, they're... They're getting ready in the morning. They're getting ready for school. Kurt Russell, a.k.a. Commander, is like, hey, man, I'm so proud of you for going to my alma mater. You're going to do great. Will is um, very nervous for his first day of school because as of right now, he does not have any superpowers and he does not want to let his parents down. They're, you know, we've all been there. We've all been there. You know, you're struggling because you don't have super strength and you're like, man, you don't have superpowers. It's, it's a very, like, high school kind of thing to be stressed about. You know, you're like, I, I want to live up to the expectations of my parents. His That's exactly what it is. His yeah. expectations just happen to be seeing a superhero and saving the world. His parents get called away on a job downtown to go fight a giant robot, which is, like, a scene pulled directly from Power Rangers. <laughs> the, the special effects on this robot are outstanding. <laughs> I also love how short a fight it is. So there's actually, there's, like, maybe 18 reasons I love this little snippet. One of them is that I love watching superheroes in their superhero costumes talk about being regular people. Yes. Uh, so uh, the commander of Jetstream discussing anxiety over their son's first day is extremely funny. Two, it's over extremely quickly. I love, I love that too. Like, like if you it think about the, no, the sheer number of, th- yeah, if they're the best in the world and the sheer number of threats that occur, it's like, of course, that this fight would be nothing for them. This would be a piece of cake. But the other thing I love is that this scene on top of its so it's world building this is still our first like 10 minutes right we're still yeah, establishing we're still the, characters like, motivations the and the, the world like yeah, <laughs> yeah the rules are hardly even established yet so this is this is rules establishing for how popular superheroes are that they just get a phone call they go downtown to fight this robot but it's also relevant all the way through the movie because the souvenir he takes here is what gets them into the the secret sanctum later on which is a huge plot point and then is the the, the entire thing has been a ploy all this time by the big bad which comes in in the third act it's just amazing for it could have been any robot that they fought but i think that it shows strong screenwriting that they were like no 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 this scene has to do a lot of like work because this world has so many specific rules about how superheroes work. Like, you know superheroes and how they work, but this world has its own very specific, like, nuances to it. Yeah, so... So um, they, they, they have to get a lot done, and they do, with just this, like, one little fight. Yeah, they and, and they cross-cut it with scenes of Will and Layla watching the fight happen on TV at home, so we get to with kind of, like... the most dramatic newscaster So ever. dramatic. He has multiple camera <laughs> angles. It's fantastic. It's... Amazing. Um, They're watching the news of this fight happening. And so we get a little bit of insight into kind of like how stressed Will is about the weight of the legacy that he's taking on. Not just he is the son of two superheroes, but the two greatest superheroes. And the his father commander does take a souvenir, which the newscaster specifies. So this is establishes that his father does this a lot. Yes. He takes the robot's head home with him after the fight, which can remember that robot head for later because that is the Chekhov robot head of this entire <laughs> yes it's fantastic they show and they show it like just enough that it's the perfect amount of like setup and then reminder yes for it it's it's so good it's so good but you know if we can't stay home forever and neither can will and layla they head out to catch the bus to sky high and we meet the greatest character in the movie 
Ron Wilson, Sky High Bus Driver. Ron Wilson. Oh. I wasn't sure if you were going to say Ron Wilson or Zach. Oh, I was like, you know which what? one You're... is Sophia Kinnapeg <laughs> as the best character? I mean, the answer is neither of them. The best character is Magenta. Um, That's true. All of the side characters, which is actually kind of plays start. into the theme of the movie, are the best characters in the movie. Yes. Um, we'll, we'll get to, yeah, we'll get to the whole crew because there's, there's a, a little lineup. Yeah, we'll, we'll save that part. I, I have thoughts about them. We'll, we'll save that. Let's get to school. Let's get to school. Let's yeah, to let's school. get to school. We're, so we got on the bus. Ron Wilson, Sky High bus driver, lets him on. Uh, he shushes Will because Will says Sky High out loud. There, at this point in the movie, it's established that this bus is just a normal school bus. It's full of normal students. So I guess it's implied that Sky High is kind of like the secret school, which I have a lot of questions about, but we need to get there before we can really answer oh, them. <laughs> we Believe me, we are going to talk about the internal logic of the school being a secret, how it functions, how it produces superheroes, and like how they enter the world. The All the logistics are coming. Let's, yeah. <laughs> we're getting there, because I have so many thoughts about the batshit craziness that it is. There's another scene within this bus that we need to talk about, because Will it, walks in the bus, the bus driver recognizes him as the son of Commander and Jetstream. He's a little bit of like this slight like kind of Harry Potter celebrity, where it's like, I haven't really done anything, but my parents are famous. And so he tries to get... Uh, Magenta and what is the puddle kid's name? I always forget it. Oh. I literally don't know because they call him. Uh, I always think of him as Popsicle because yes. uh... he's called that. I think more than once. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel. I feel so go, bad. Go on. Yes. Go on. Yes, there's a, another kid who will become part of the gang. Uh, we'll call him Popsicle because I cannot remember his name. Popsicle and Magenta are sitting back there, and he tells them to move. Magenta agrees to move, but she says, "You know, like we only need one person to get up and get out of the way." Puddle says, "Well, what about his girlfriend?" Referring, of course, to Layla. They have one of those classic moments where he's like, "What? No, not my girlfriend." And then this kid, Larry, this like nerdy little kid, has the absolute balls to stand up and hit on Layla when she's standing next to Will. He walks up, he's like, you can sit with me. And I, when I tell you that I had to pause the movie to just kind of revel in like the absolute, it take, that's so bold. That's so bold. Ethan, I, th- I believe his name is, uh, Ethan is the, uh, is the popsicle. Popsicle, okay. We will later learn that Larry is in fact much stronger than he appears. Uh, and he's not an important character, but I do I do need to give him mad shout outs right now for having, again, the balls to hit on Layla when she's standing next to, to Will. They sit down. Oh, like yeah. A- the great thing about <laughs> is all these characters keep coming back because as we learn, their their class size is only like 25, yeah. which makes sense when you think about it. It's just the superheroes. It's just this, the superheroes. Like this, this, this uh, greater metropolitan area, mm-hmm. wherever they are. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it's so it's just they're just their kids. So there's only like 25 of them. Yeah, which is it's kind of a neat little like world building tick that they do. It's part of it is you know it's less. But it, but it's also cast, great for us part of recogni- it is, Yeah, yeah it, it recognize works. the the repetition of these characters keeps showing up. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, it's it's great. They sit down on the bus. It's gonna be a normal bus ride for a while, and then it's not. They pick up the last kid. Ron tells them all to buckle Ron up. <laughs> tears off. He every day he sews on a tear off patch on his sleeve and then when the last kid is on tears it off (laughs) changes hats he has a second hat secret hat so that people will know that he's ron wilson bus driver for sky high and then they go on the most epic bus ride that's ever ever occurred yes they with a road that i assume is closed (laughs) i assume for 365 days a year yes this is the first part where I really started to question the logistics of the secrecy of Sky High. Um, to get to Sky High, they take off down this quote-unquote closed road, which 
Um, the bus grows wings out of it. It doesn't. They unfold Transformer style. It has jets, and the bus takes off into the sky to fly them to sky high. So here, here's something that I think we need to touch on at this point. Mm-hmm. Presumably, if you were walking down the street, any street, and you saw a regular bus grow wings and take off into the sky, you'd ask yourself, I wonder what that bus is doing. <laughs> They're not yeah, necessarily so... on a secret road. It's a closed no, road. No, it's... <laughs> But it's not. Yes, it's okay. Secret. It's a road that is exists and is always closed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bus every day, probably presumably multiple times, because Ron says that he's the only one uh, qualified. He to is do the it. only bus driver Mul- that we see throughout the entire movie. So, Mult- so multiple times to get all those kids to school must make multiple stops, mm-hmm. uh, multiple trips. Full- drives off the edge, turns into a bus with wings. No one sees it. Also, this is getting ahead, but as we know villains have gone to this alma mater as well mm-hmm. there's this weird it really becomes clear when we get to save the citizen but there's this weird notion that what they're doing is they're not so much training the heroes of tomorrow is that they're it's more like superpowered kids need are going to probably have careers related to their superpowers in some way so they need to go to a special school to deal with that but we're not so much training them to be heroes so much as we're just training them to use their powers and then a bunch of them will become villains eventually that's just inevitable it's kind of like going to like a tech school program in high school like you do choose what you're going to do with that once you graduate yes but you have it's it's a specialized program this school is way less the xavier's institute from x-men and way more hogwarts yes like it's less about making superheroes and more just about <laughs> we need to put all these super powerful people in one place and inevitably some of them are going to become super villains. But even so, they talk about how the location of the school isn't known, but it is just up in the sky. Yeah. And all the super villains who have gone there know it's a school up in the sky. So it feels like it should be attacked a lot more is all I'm saying. <laughs> I wonder if there's this like weird culture of respect around it where it's like, yeah, we know it's there, but like... I know we're villains, but it's our alma mater, and they didn't necessarily do us dirty, so I guess we'll just kind of, like, let it hang. I will say that I I accept that headcanon, if only because it makes royal pain at the end way more dramatic. Yes. Because it's sort of silly that she's attacking a high school, but when you think of it as, oh, this is the this is the neutral ground where no one attacks because we all have, this is our common ground, we all went here, and that she's uh, besmirching that a little bit, way more, yes. way more dramatic, way more dramatic. So I'll accept <laughs> that headcanon. Amazing. It's, no one touches sky high. No one touches, it's, it's um. there is a, oh man, there's a specific neutral, oh my God, I'm thinking of, for the, watching sky high has made me think of properties I, I enjoyed in like middle school, and it has just made me think mm-hmm. of the Warrior Cats books, in which there is a one designated area that is neutral ground for all the clans, and this is, a, sky high is that equivalent in the superhero universe they're establishing. For all of you at home that had uh, Warrior Cats <laughs> on your podcast bingo card, uh, Congrats. Check it off. I definitely didn't put it on there. I also didn't, and I'm the one who said it. So, you know, we're all learning new things today. We've arrived at Sky High. We run... We arrive at Sky High. <laughs> Ron Wilson, bus driver, hands Will his business card. We are... Check off his business I, card. I want to be clear. <laughs> we are we are longer into this podcast than we are minutes into the movie. Yes, we, we're not making good time, and I'm totally okay with that, because I think we could talk about Sky High for hours. Um... <laughs> Uh, we will. We're going we will. to go. Uh-huh. Okay. So we arrive at Sky High. We arrived at Sky High. Uh, we see a quick scene of these two boys who, like, 
I, don't know, I forget exactly what they do. They're bullying or harassing this one girl, so she freezes them. Oh, they laser her. They laser her in the butt. Yeah, they laser her in the butt. She turns around and freezes them. They remain frozen for the entire movie. The entire. <laughs> she <laughs> she straight up kills these two she, people. They're hurt. <laughs> they're gone. This is what I mean. This this school is is there's no it's not about like responsible use of power it's literally just like can you effectively use your power mm-hmm. there's no ethics classes or anything it's just like can you build a freeze ray <laughs> roughly 50 percent of you are beca- going to become bad guys who use this against there us is the, a, future. The, the science lab is called the mad science lab like there the are, mad there's lab. no pretense about what they're doing at this school also remember that oh, frozen yes. girl she's going to be relevant exactly once at the very end yep yep <laughs> There's a. Did, you know how many times I watched this movie? It wasn't until I watched. So I watched it twice. Yes. Before we start talking about it here, on the second viewing, when she showed up, I thought, "Oh wait, blonde hair and ice. That's the same girl from the first scene." Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I definitely I watched this did movie not for catch years. that as a kid. Caught it this time around. <laughs> I I didn't even catch it the first time. I had to watch it twice. <laughs> uh, not had to. Got to. Got, got to, to got to. But... You did you did choose this. This was uh I did choose this. <laughs> Self-inflicted. There are a pair of bullies of the classic Spike and Bulk from Power Rangers duo, except significantly more capable, a speedster and a stretchy dude. The speedster rounds up all the freshmen who have all traveled in a giant herd off the bus. Yep, all twenty five freshmen. All twenty five freshmen. And... All two dozen of them. <laughs> He proceeds to try and kind of shake them down for their lunch money until the hot student body president arrives. Uh, and we go straight into like romance vision, rom-com, polka, oh, so light, cla- like bossa nova music playing in the background as it slow-mos on her talking in, from Will's point of view. So we have already established our love interest for the movie, but that goes against. <gasps> Is she the good love interest or the bad love interest? Because we already met Layla, the childhood friend. I, so. I wonder <laughs> I wonder if the best friend will be the good love interest. We'll, will, we'll have to, we'll get have to, to the watch and find out. They go into the gym for their first day of class. We are introduced to Principal Powers, a.k.a. Linda Carter. Linda Carter. Wonder Woman herself. Um, She welcomes them to Sky High. Zach, one of the best characters in the movie, gets excited for power play. He's the only one who cheers as she says, welcome to Sky High. We love him. We're going to. So next is a huge part. One of my favorite parts in the movie. Mm -hmm. But we got to We got it before we get there. Now that we brought up Zach, we have to talk about the costumes. Uh, which Zach is the I've already mentioned that they all wear these like super saturated bold colors and that they all have their like own colors that they wear but the the fashion in general is insane it's insane in this scene Zach is wearing like I don't even know how you describe that hat he's wearing like board (laughs) shorts like past his knee he's wearing like a neon lime green button his, down his color palette is like neon greens and white it's, exclusively it's and like, he kind of dresses like he permanently lives in miami he dresses like he permanently his hair is like he's got like bleach too the cut you would have if you had frosted tips but his hair is bleached instead of having frosted already tips. yeah his it's whole hair is frosted amazing <laughs> he's yeah he never wears all his pants are like go like halfway between his knees and his head like are halfway down his calf yeah uh he never wears full pants or full shorts no he's very non-committal in that sense yes uh magenta sorry totally space i almost called her violet <laughs> uh that's a different michael giacono uh superhero movie um yes magenta is wearing like four tops layered so which many. is like progressively um, smaller tank tops we're kind of just going through also to context give some context here these are our side character main characters these are the, these side, are, these yeah. are the rounding out our five-man band that will take us through most of the movie and then 
Ethan is wearing the biggest pants in the world. Huge. He's a small man wearing the biggest pants. He and Zach need to switch pants. I can't tell if maybe there was a mix-up in wardrobe that day and they were wardrobe. supposed to be wearing each other's pants. And they just. I like to think of it that it, my head is that Zach had a growth spurt over the summer and all mm-hmm. his pants are too short now. And Ethan, his parents are the kind who are like, you'll grow into them, you'll grow into them. But he hasn't. There are uh, a he's couple... He's also wearing a bucket hat. <laughs> they have a little discussion on the bus about how, like, uh, Zach was waiting for his powers to develop. And then he finds out that they, like, they develop a few days before school starts. And it had the cool. very yes. big vibe of, like, a kid who's going into, like, their freshman year of high school being like, when am I going to hit puberty? Like, you know, my voice is going to drop and all that all that jazz. Uh, and so I like to think of their superpowers developing as sort of, like, hitting puberty, which makes the whole oh, movie def- it's- hilarious. <laughs> 100%. I said that this is more Harry Potter than X-Men, mm-hmm. but that is definitely X-Men where they're like, oh yeah, the, the superpower high school and then the superpowers themselves are you know representative of uh, high school and then puberty and they're just highly dramatized, but you know, still very, it's yeah. based in very real and understandable experiences for most people. Which I think is what kind of sells me on their clothes not being the exact right size. Part of that is of course the 2000s. Yeah. Well, they also live in fake world. Yes, they live in and by fake world, I mean the 2000s. Yes. <laughs> uh, they, they live in this larger-than-life world, so their costumes are all insane. Everyone's color-coordinated all the time. They're all color-coordinated all the time. They all wear either too many shirts or too large pants, or both, depending on the scene. So many people have, like, one streak of hair dye. One. Magenta. Co- yeah, one little... Magenta and Warren. Oh, we have not gotten to Warren yet, but when we do, oh, baby, we got to talk about him. soon. Um, There's one more important character we got to meet before we meet Warren. (laughs) The fucking Bruce Campbell. The sorting hat of of Sky High. (laughs) Yes, so they're in gym class for the first day. Better than the sorting hat, by the way. Uh, They are ready for what is called, I wrote it down. Power placement. Power placement. Thank you. They're ready for power placement, a.k.a. the sorting hat moment. They're uh, about to get sorted into either the hero track or hero support, a.k.a. sidekicks, which is a a huge social dichotomy essentially getting placed on them day one. I know. It's so, so fantastic. And we also get the line that... So when I hadn't watched this movie in many years, looking back, I was like, oh, Layla, Daniel Panabaker's character... She's like objectively like like the nicest, sweetest Mm -hmm. one. Like she's very smart. She's very, she kind of has this like, not bird's eye view, but this like better perspective of the whole system. Uh, This is where we get the classic line where uh, they ask power placement, what's that? And she goes, sounds fascist. (laughs) Uh, Which made me realize like, oh, I am correct in that she is like, she's very smart and has a broader perspective of what's going on and is right about it. But also is kind of insufferable. Yes, she's that like insufferable <laughs> activist character where you're like, I agree with you, like, you know, save the planet. This is not a great social system to impose yeah. on high schoolers. But also like, man, please just use your powers just once. Especially when you consider that she's 14. Especially when you consider that she's 14. <laughs> like if a 14 year old, if I was doing a class project and a 14 year old was like, that sounds fascist. I would roll my eyes so hard they would fall out of my head. <laughs> Yes, but uh, she is disagreeing with power placement because uh, what they have to do is they each, one by one, go up uh, and demonstrate their powers. And then Coach Boomer... uh, (laughs) The incredibly dramatic entrance. The incredibly dramatic entrance of Coach Boomer, who, oh man, as played by Bruce Campbell himself. He has like the Black Canary sonic scream, basically, but with his Bruce Campbell's voice, which makes it absolutely... 10 times better he says i i will decide what track you are on there is no debate and you must impress me okay okay great 
All of them go off one by one. Yep. Classic, classic gym teacher. Classic gym teacher. He's got the shorts. He's got the track jacket. We're in. The first kid up is my boy Larry from the bus. Remember him? Because I sure do. Uh, he gets up. He's this like, little nerdy kid. Boomer's like, okay, what's your power? And then Larry turns into a giant stone golem, which is the only form yep. we will see him in for the rest of the movie, implying that this could he's be a thing. permanent transformation. <laughs> no, no, no. He does switch back. Does he switch he's, back? Um, I, I missed him in the background. Yeah, he... Oh, he's in the party. I think at the party and then he changes he's, to the rock he's, form. No, he's he's but in he, the he rock sits form on the couch the in rock form. Time at the but party. There's an earlier part. Uh, like, he's definitely smaller uh, uh, at some point. Right. Because it's part of that thing we talked about where you see the same cast over and over and over again. It's true. Which is, saving on extras. Uh, which is just a yeah, exactly saving on extras, but also nice for us being like, oh, this is a closed ecosystem. Yes. Um, so Larry is the first one that kicks us off. Then we get a little bit of a montage going where we get to learn every single person who is going to be important's power set. Zach goes up. He talks a really big game, talks a really big smack, uh, and then nothing happens when he demonstrates his powers. Boomer asks him what he's doing, and he says, I'm glowing. Zach's power is to essentially be a walking glow stick. He asks for people to dim the lights. They don't. So we don't get to see the glow just yet, but we presume that he's doing it. Ethan gets up. He melts. He can turn into a puddle of goo. Uh, he can also move as the goo, but he remains in puddle form the whole time. <laughs> it's, you know, I do think that it's a little underrated as a power. Yeah, uh, I was. Uh, don't get me wrong. Gl- glowing is exact is extremely lame. But later on, we learn that being able to turn into a puddle Pretty actually useful. super useful in a fight yeah you can fit through small spaces you can slip people it it, it comes in handy multiple times yeah the glowing is like he very situational sli- yeah ethan's power is actually pretty functional for someone who gets sorted into sidekick track uh magenta gets up she says she's a shapeshifter initially boomer's impressed and then she shapeshifts into a guinea pig which is the only form she can take the guinea pig does still have her purple hair streak so we know it's her the guinea pig <laughs> is a real guinea pig i want to this is important the guinea pig is a real guinea pig that they dyed the hair on. And it's a black guinea pig, so I assume... Now, I don't get my hair dyed or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so perhaps I'm wrong about this, but I assume with black hair, you would have to bleach it or something in order to get that vibrant of purple. Yeah, so for temporary hair dries, they might have been able to kind of get away with it, but it would have needed to be refreshed a bunch. It's it's a bold production design choice because that is a hard <laughs> color to maintain, especially on a, a black guinea pig, so... <laughs> so funny it's so, oh, i love to imagine someone like there's definitely like an art department pa on set whose job it was to like check the guinea pig hair dye <laughs> like i'm just imagining you're you know you're sitting you're sitting around on set you're waiting for like continuity checks or to make sure you have to like go reset a prop and then your job is to chase down the guinea pig and make sure it is still purple <laughs> god it goes under the bleachers or something <laughs> good lord <laughs> There was a lot of animal handling credits in this um, movie, and I, I'm pretty sure they're all for the guinea pig. They're all for the guinea <laughs> all pig. All for the guinea pig. Oh, man. Layla refuses to demonstrate her powers. She says, you know, she doesn't believe in using them unless she has to. Uh, and then Will is spared until after lunch. Yeah, they, they take a break and go to lunch before we get to see Will demonstrate that he does not have powers. Uh, he's very stressed about this. And he will continue to be stressed about it during lunch. For some reason that is not yet established, uh, Zach, Magenta, and Ethan all decide that they are friends with Layla and Will, who have so far been kind of just rude to them. But I guess they're a squad now. They all go to sit together at lunch. And we get maybe my favorite character introduction in the entire movie. (laughs) Layla says, don't look now. 
but that guy is staring at you and Will turns around to see the absolute death glare that War and Peace is giving him from like two lunch tables over. We get a little bit of backstory on this kid who is staring into the Will's soul. He is the son of a hero and a villain and his father was busted by Will's dad. So Commander took down War and Peace's uh, father and put him in jail, right? So Warren has a little bit of a, a little bit of a grudge against Will, if you will. Um, yes, yes. His first day, and he already has an arch nemesis. Yes, as um, he, as he immortalizes in uh, verbal. There's, <laughs> there's the cafeteria scene is unintentional, well, partially intentionally great for a couple reasons. One, and this is a thing you should, if you watch this movie, listen to the announcements and stuff that are said because they're super funny. This one has the line: uh, "The cafeteria staff requests that sidekicks stop ordering hero sandwiches." <laughs> Which is so funny. It's a pun. <laughs> and it also, and the second thing I love about this little this little moment is that it further strengthens what we'll learn later. Is that uh, further strengthens what'll what'll keep coming up? I should say is that the school isn't a pipeline for making superheroes. It's just a pipeline for getting superhumans out into the world because Orin's dad and the commander. Uh, not only have they like fought and the commander put him in prison and that's where the strategies come from they were also high school rifles <laughs> yes. uh, which seems to suggest that this school exists to make sure that your high school trauma haunts you forever <laughs> it really so much of the plot is directly a result of the high school careers of will's parents it it's really yes. just like the worst possible ramifications of what could go wrong if you are this... not the popular kid in high school. Layla is so correct that it's like, oh, this system is really bad, not just because people are constantly being passed over for things, but uh, you know, not recognized for, for talents and things like that, uh, being placed on superficial levels just like high school, but also because one person gets slighted and then they have to remain in the same community for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Uh, and that's just the recipe for disaster. It's real bad. But back in the cafeteria, <laughs> uh, they're still, they're eating lunch. They bump into the popular girl, Gwen, from earlier, the hot student council president that Will was immediately smitten with. She asks how power placement's going and asks him to be the freshman rep for homecoming. So, you know, we're establishing that for some reason, this older senior girl is talking to Will Powers. What could it possibly be? I don't know. We'll find out later on. But before we leave the cafeteria, we do get one more shot of War and Peace just absolutely brooding as he stares in the back of Will's ah, head, which is a motif so he will continue for the first half of the movie. He will not do any other actions until we're well into the second act. It's they don't, amazing. They don't become friends for so so long i guess that makes sense because yeah. they are kind of rivals but it's it's so funny how long he just hates will it's one of those characters too when warren walked on it's kind of like um kevin 11 in ben 10 where he's appears and i'm like oh, oh eventually so much you're like going 11. to he looked first of all he looks exactly like kevin 11 he's got you know it's like the exactly long like black 11. hair and he's always grumpy but it's one of those characters that walks on and you're like oh Oh, you're going to become like a begrudging friend of the main squad eventually, but you're going to be really angry until you do. Mm -hmm. And so you, mm -hmm. you, you clock he that as soon as you it. see him. <laughs> yes. We go to the bathroom briefly, run in with the two bullies, the fast ones and the speedy ones. They're giving a swirly to Liquid Kid, who I feel like should just turn into a puddle when he's about to receive a swirly. But um, Oh, but then he'd be flushed. Oh. Then there's no escape. What do you... I, See, I have a. There's a lot I of guess he could turn into a puddle and and then like slide, slide away. away, right? I guess it's a little unclear just how viscous he is. Yes. Um, and I'm not sure I want to know. <laughs> there's 
Um, I was going to get to this at the end, but I feel like it's, this is a good point to mention it now. If you go into IMDb's uh, frequently asked questions section, the first question is, if Ethan is in slime form, can he be blended and drunk like a smoothie? Which <laughs> was not a question. My question was going to be, <laughs> if Ethan is in slime form, uh, does it hurt him when he's like moved oh, around? Like someone skids good... through him before. Does he feel it or is he just like I'm a puddle? It doesn't and like is Ethan permanently on like is a little bit of Ethan on that guy's shoes? I, like is Ethan gonna turn back and he's got like a skinned <laughs> elbow because that guy skidded through him? It it doesn't seem to be that way because he he, he frequently gets he skidded okay. on and he seems yeah. fine. I think Ethan's powers might raise the most questions out of just about any single power set in this entire movie, and uh, we do not get answers to them, so we're left only to ponder the ramifications of this kid who can melt. But we return once again to... It does keep me up at night. <laughs> it does keep you up at night. Uh, we return once again to power placement. It's Will's turn. Uh, he gets up there and says, you know, I don't have any powers when the coach asks him. He's like, I'm not super strong. Oh, wait, wait, wait. There's a really important thing. Uh, you mentioned it in the bathroom. And then we got sidetracked by the super important question of the popsicle. Uh, <laughs> is that this is exact. This is setting up Will's uh, oh, his want versus his need. Uh, he just wants to have powers. But we see right here uh, when the bullies confront him, he doesn't stand up for for his friend. The bullies confront him are like, you're going to hang with us because, the, again, they assume he's going to be cool. And he's like, uh, yeah, sure. Totally doesn't stand up for his friend or for him or for uh, doesn't stand up for Ethan, doesn't stand up for himself at all. He's not really yet in the hero. Very important. He, yes. He this, hasn't this is learned. Actually a good yes. Because this is he's not a hero. Correct. How he gets where he's going. Yes. In any sense. of The, the, the internal the internal struggle that is then uh, made external later on yes uh back at power placement he says i don't have super strength coach boomer does not believe him laughs and drops a car on him which he ducks underneath at the last second which is an incredibly dangerous way of finding out whether or not a child has super strength i feel like that scared me so much when i was young how close he comes to being crushed by that car scared me so much when i was young he then says you know i can't fly either and the coach catapults him across the gym into a cement <laughs> support beam. <laughs> if someone could fly, why would you need to catapult that? There's why wouldn't you Only after fly? Will has been smashed into literal concrete does Boomer then yell into his face using his super, you know, canary scream thing, sidekick, that we... <laughs> that anyone believes him it's crazy uh he does get to go to the nurse which is the next scene that we cut to he goes to the nurse who has x-ray which, vision which, of course she does who has x-ray vision sets up the whole sets up the um, whole like fear that he's yeah. yes the extra exactly his want which is that he has no power and he now he fears he may never get it for this point we just assume he didn't know what it was or he mm -hmm. hadn't developed it yet she tells him he may never have one. Yes, she explains scary. Um, that the child of one super parent typically has their power. Mm -hmm. The child of two super parents, sometimes their power develops late, but sometimes they don't have a power at all. And so he's worried that that's going to happen to him. It's revealed that that is the origin story of, of Ron Wilson, Ron Wilson bus, driver. bus Driver, which then cuts to him doing like karate in the party. Karate, <laughs> yeah, with the, with the, with the <laughs> with brush, the, brush the, broom, the mop. Which, is it customary for the people who drive the buses to also wash them? Not in I my feel... experience with bus drivers. Uh, you know what? He is the only bus <laughs> he guy. He is the know, only we're... person who can get people to and from Sky High if they can't fly. If they have no way of getting there on their own, they can only get there 
via um, Ron Wilson bus driver, which actually I have a question. Like, how do the teachers get to school yes. every day? Do they also take the bus? Do they live on campus? Well, at least one of them has a jetpack. At least one of them has a jetpack. That's but... true. That's true. The, the mad science teacher does have a jetpack because he leaves his lights on at one point. Which, as long as we're discussing all these adults, first of all, the nurse is fantastic. The nurse is amazing. She, her del- she has so much personality. And that's, again, one of these strengths. One of the things I realized rewatching it is that in my mind, the three side friends, so Ethan, Zach, and Magenta, mm-hmm. in my mind, they're in so much of the movie. They're really not. They don't have that many lines. They mostly appear together, except for Zach, for the most, uh, has like a little bit in the beginning because he and Will are already friends. They just do a really good job of making you understand who they are really quickly. And it's the same with the nurse. But in the nurse's case, it's that she's crazy, which is what all the adults in this movie are. Every yes. single adult in this movie is insane. I wonder how much of that is because they have all been products of the system that they're now working within. Like within I, the logic of yes. Sky High, what their actions are make complete sense. But if you look at it with even yes. like an ounce of like, hey, wait a minute, they're the adults in this situation. Shouldn't they be reacting this way? Suddenly, they're insane. So they are all so crazy. They all went to this high school. Beautiful Some of them demonstration never of the like sky high ecosystem and what it looks like thirty years later, which is actually very relevant to the the third act of the movie. Which is like, so <laughs> relevant, and it's I choose to believe that this was all intentional. They talk. I was reading some things with the writers who are, uh, by the way, the writers of uh, this movie, and I think directors wrote Kim Possible or the or the showrunners for Kim Possible, oh, I believe. So that's they were chosen for this because the a version of this had been written years before, um, and then they were brought in for extensive rewrites because presumably because Disney was like, oh, you did relatable high school superhero shenanigans that people liked. Please do that again. Yes, <laughs> they were. Uh, their services were requested for basically the same. And I, products. I, they, so they 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 chose to make all the adults seem insane because that's how the stu- like students would view them, right? Mm-hmm. So it's from the fourteen year olds point of view but i think that yeah the uh, like you said the the glimpse of like 30 years in the future what this ecosystem has done to people i think it's actually very intentional <laughs> i don't think it's, it's accidental at it's all it's kind of like subtly brilliant in a lot of ways it, it's, it's it's, subtly, it is like you mentioned it, it's both building like the 14 year old point of view in the movie and then also contributing to like making the third act seem more um comprehensible when you're watching it like oh i i see how we exactly. could have gotten to this point but speaking of getting to this point we're about 30 minutes into the movie <laughs> maybe we'll get to from- a two to one ratio of of commentary to to film i think is that's about what lord of the rings did right yeah, th- so we'll i consider think, this podcast like the lord of the rings director's cut version lord, of lord the of the rings earned it. i think so did sky high <laughs> uh, <laughs> we we return to will's house he's back at home his dad is polishing the robot head please remember he oh, took his trophy from the it. robot in the first scene of the movie uh he asked how school was his dad then takes him into the secret sanctum for the first time he gives him access to his superhero cave he gives him the ultimatum of of course you must never ever Bring anyone into the secret sanctum. Remember that line. It will be relevant later. He shows off his room full of trophies, including one that they linger on for a while. A pacifier belonging to Royal Pain. It just looks kind of like a ray gun. 
Uh, it doesn't look like a pacifier. They don't... Which is different than beams, we will learn later. Yes. Rays and beams, very distinct. Very distinct. Royal Payne is a villain that his dad and mom took down years, years ago. And he took the pacifier as kind of like a keepsake, similar to the robot head. And when Will asks, what does it do? His dad says, I have no idea. So we, we don't know what the pacifier does at this point. We know only its name and its previous owner. And that it is now in and... Will's basement cave thing of secret access the brilliance of it we don't really know that the pacifier is relevant to the story until it's highlighted with the little joystick gag much later on the reason it seems relevant now is because kurt russell the commander is explaining how it's the first time that he and jetstream teamed up yes and that is important because it's leading into how he's going to tell will that was our first thing together as the strongholds Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why it's my most cherished but my soon-to-be most cherished will be whatever we'll put on this this stand this trophy when you join us and so it's this brilliant thing of we we get the whole pacifier backstory but the relevance seems not to be because it's the villain and because that's going to come up later but because that's what's leading into him putting this pressure again on will which is again what will has to overcome like it's yes it's it's two things at once man two things at once if this movie is not complicated by any means, I want to be I want to be very clear here. This I think this will sum up all my thoughts. This movie is not complicated by any means, but it's extremely simple and efficient screenwriting. Yes, it. Uh, this is something that I noticed throughout the entire plot. Is it? It does not waste time getting from beat to beat, but it does each of those beats nope. very clearly and generally pretty well. There are only a few everything moments does where I was more like, than one thing. Mm, I'm cringing a little bit for yeah. Everything kind of does double duty. One of the this is kind of the point where I wanted to highlight the screen language of the movie. So Will and his dad go to play pool in the basement. The robot head then lights up, and we get a cutaway to two figures that we have not identified who are watching through the robot head what is happening in the sanctum on an eye-shaped screen. By the and way, an eye-shaped a, a detail I did not notice until this <laughs> recent viewing. It's a giant eye-shaped TV screen looking through a robotic eye oh god this movie is so ridiculous i love it so good before the robot head turns on the camera of that we are watching the movie through lingers on the pacifier before and as will and his dad ostensibly exit the scene which is um kind of like a little tick in in cinematography and editing like that's indicating to us what the important part there is and that's they do this a couple times throughout the movie where like the camera is telling us the superhero plot that's important where the you know, the 14-year-old family drama is, is also what's ostensibly happening. It, it, they, they have left. Will has not told his yes. dad at this point that, like, he didn't, doesn't have powers. He didn't get placed in a uh, hero track. He got placed in a sidekick. That is still kind of lingering over our heads. And then we get into this crazy, like, actually, there's a supervillain watching through the robot head now. Um, pay attention to the pacifier. And uh, there's also this weird jester sidekick person who was <laughs> the character I understood the least in the movie. I don't know if you have any insight Oh, my on God. <laughs> Who? I have a huge <laughs> note here, and it's one question, and it is, who or what is Stitches? He upsets me so much. It's his stupid little voice. It's sort of his revealed little, later little on who tick. he is, but even that does not I mean, clarify it's, 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 he's who the pacifier. he is. It's her dad. It's like her. But, but it's like, her what is because I don't know. Okay. If it's actually, it's her, her well, dad. I think it's like he. Well, oh, he's not. No, he found her and raised her. So a dad figure in a sense, but is clearly her sidekick. You're right. In the final act, when they're at the dance, he is in his human dad form, standing behind the commander of Jetstream, and that they cut back to Royal Pain, and then they cut back to the commander of Jetstream, and he's now in the Stitches form. So it begs the question, is that a costume he's wearing? Or is that like 
him? Is he doing a quick change like Mr. Boy yes. and all the I, other sidekicks? I choose to is believe he, that any time a character in this movie is suddenly in a different costume, it's because they or have is a, he transforming? Change, change, change. I mean, oh, there's so it's there's so many like, questions about. Is that. he turning into? Is it makeup or is that what his skin looks like? <laughs> it's stitches is the biggest question mark in this film. It's so fucking frustrating. Stitches is also constantly getting choked and then yelling oh, uncle, uncle, uncle uncle in every single in scene. That is our cue board. that the like villain cutaway is over. Is Stitches starts yelling uncle and is then you're like, okay, uncle. we're done with this scene. We can move on with the rest of the movie. The oh, next God. day, we take up with a, a montage of the hero support classes. Oh wait, wait. <laughs> there's a there's a really important. There's Layla on the roof. Oh oh, you're right. We have, we have Layla on the roof where she states the moral of the film because she is the like moral centerpiece to it about how dividing people in high and the the general vibe of high school is stupid and is how you hurt people and push them into being villains both in the general high school sense of the trauma people endure in high school for no reason can echo out into their adult lives both good and bad like right the the weight that is put on will from his parents is because they were so successful yeah at high school and he, he feels the need to live up to that. And also that the people who failed still carry that grudge. And that that's stupid and wrong. <laughs> and that it needs to be moved past. She she states the clear moral. We end act one and we're only an hour into our Yeah, we're, we're making amazing time. <laughs> it's okay. I have a lot... So I have a lot fewer notes for the rest of the movie um, yes, because I feel like the, the uh, a lot of a lot of the yeah. big stuff has been touched on. Like uh, we're not going to talk about costumes again, like things like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Uh, Act one really does so much work of world building this place that they live in that it it really like you spend it it goes by very quickly, but it's the part of the movie that I think I have the most thoughts about. So hopefully it's so dense. Yeah. (laughs) And and, uh, act I mean, act three is a breeze. So moving on. So they have this this talk. Bring us in. Bring us in. Bring us bring us back to the the plot. She makes an an apple to make lemonade. Yes. It's the whole thing. Some she throwaway line about how she can't make lemons. It's it's strange. Now we are in the first. It's cute day. though. They're cute together. They're cute together. It's the first They're time I feel like you really friends. see them. With, oh, that's not true. There's two moments where they really have chemistry, and it's so far. It's the moment on the roof where they kind of like nudge each other with their shoulders, and it's when they're walking to the bus, and she's like, "I'm going to save mankind and womankind and animal kind." And he's like, "And the rainforest." Uh, yes. And it's this like playful, like he's sort of like ribbing her, but also he's being very earnest because she knows that she believes in it. Mm-hmm. So. She constantly adds the addendum of womankind anytime someone says the word mankind in this entire... She does it throughout the, the entire movie to the point, to the point that other characters correct themselves it? in front of her. Yeah, to the point where someone says it, they're referring to the zombie, and they say, how do you kill it? She And she goes, or her. <laughs> Which is... A pretty funny running gag. I'm going to give them that one. I thought it was... It's very in character for her, and it's also... Uh, it's part of the funny thing that I was like... When I was young, I was like, oh, she's like the pinnacle of a good person. And now I'm like, oh, she's an extremely good person and is also insufferable. I, totally yeah. insufferable. Anyway, first day of hero support classes, we are introduced to Mr. Boy. Mr. Boy! <laughs> AKA All-American Boy, who was once Commander's sidekick. He is ready to teach everyone about how they can best support their heroes, uh, how to do quick costume changes. He ducks behind a whiteboard and emerges in his All-American Boy costume. Uh, how to use utility oh, belts, so all that, sorts of things. That running, that running gag is um, of him changing clothes. He does it at the part. I didn't even notice for a long time. He does it at the final pro- uh, at homecoming yes. when uh, he gets the thing spilled on him. 
they cut and in the background you see him duck under the table and come back up with a clean shirt it's incredibly funny they do such a good job of establishing like this is his career like this is his life this is his career he's actually really good at being a sidekick he's, yeah he's weirdly the best at this stupid little thing and he changes so quickly yeah. it's so good it's the, the detail about sidekicks being assigned to heroes and the heroes choose the name and the colors is yes. so, so funny to me. Zach asks, what a good he has one question right off the bat. He's like, hey, I call dibs on Zach attack. When do we pick our names and costumes? And it's revealed that when they graduate, their hero that they get paired up with will then pick their costumes and names for them so that it matches their whole aesthetic, which is such an interesting bit of world building too, because it's kind of establishes graduation is also like be- entering the workforce. Uh, there's not like, mm-hmm. I guess, a secondary sky high, you know? There there's, is no, there's second- no secondary exactly. education. You go straight. This, so that it, yeah, <laughs> high school is everything for them. They have high school, and then, then those relationships that are literally built in high school, like literally the hero and sidekick, yeah. and the sidekick really doesn't have any sort of say in it either. They're they're very much carries like, on. Yeah, um, just kind of have to go with whatever life gives them at that point. Because you know, what if you get paired up with a hero that you don't necessarily like very much? What if like your tormentor decides like actually I will have this person serve me forever? Like there's a lot of yeah. really potentially there's dark so, implications so to many the implications. system they've established. It's very like young adult novel level of like we have sorted you into systems and now you will have to fight the establishment in order to like have any sense of individuality and it's very it's very dystopian and they all know each other's identities like he's like he mentions the commander's real name Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh in class it's just weird insular community where all the heroes and villains know all the backstory and you're like oh this is less that the world is being threatened by bad people than these people who never got over high school because they were never yeah. given the choice are it, constantly coming into blows like, and lives are on the line. The school is like creating its own reason for existing because all of the villains cre- are ostensibly it, it's, it's created exactly in high school. It. It, it's this like self-repeating cycle. The, anyway, we get a little montage of hero support classes. We have a very funny cutaway scene where there is written on the whiteboard, holy blank, blank man. and Like blank man, yeah. <laughs> which is the first like direct superhero reference, I think, of the movie that I I noticed anyway, where I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, that's like a like a real world that's superhero a, yeah, Adam West, Batman. Adam West yeah. Batman gag. Very, very funny. It would be so easy for them to, to go the opposite route. Mm-hmm. And I, I appreciate them really really holding it back with doing yeah that. they there's only like i think two moments where i was like oh my god i know that reference and one of them you have to do later we'll talk about it later on but one of them like had to be in there and the other one was this which i thought was like a neat little sidekick class thing yeah the other one i think is adr too i don't think it was originally in there yeah it's it's very it's clearly, very clearly. Well, we, i feel like we have to talk about it when we get to it because it's a real we will t- we'll talk about it for a We'll talk, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about Linda Carter, the good and the bad, essentially post postscript cameos that she's had. Yes. <laughs> oh my God! It runs the gamut from from the best to the worst. Yes. You know the the montage is really sweet. You know you see them getting the hang of like utility belts, and they have little like sometimes they yes. struggle, sometimes they do well. It's your classic like learning to harness these powers. It's fun and games. It's fun and games. The it's friend group That's is all together. The, they're part all of the, like part of the story. Yeah, way. they're all like learning how to like. They're all good with each other. They're all friends now at this point. Um, and then we cut to them studying at Will's house, who his dad arrives home in his costume earlier than Will oh expected from uh, presumably a mission, although it could have been a real estate deal. It's, I forget if they... Uh, uh, I think he was saving the collapsing Superdome. Ah, ah, yes, yes, of course. <laughs> How could I have forgotten? He sees all of the friends sitting around. His dad's like, hey, what are your powers? And they all go around and say their powers. And his dad is uh clearly not impressed will then goes in to make a sandwich in front of his dad he he talks about how all of his friends are sidekicks he tries to tell his dad that he's 
actually a sidekick too. His dad doesn't take it super well at first. Um, Will says, I'm proud to be a sidekick. And he goes back to studying yes. with his friends. And it's this big moment where you're like, yeah, you know what? You should be proud of like who you are and, um, you know, own yes. what it is that you do and, you know, take pride in it's yourself. It's two huge moments. Yeah. It's, it's this moment of him being okay with where he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and with recognizing and telling other people that being a sidekick is a thing you should be proud of. It's not this, it doesn't have any bearing on your worth. Um, and also him standing up to his dad, which is sets the ball rolling for him standing up for other people, mm-hmm. which is what gets him into his big midpoint moment. Yes. So at this point, he he has a lot of the very like heroic traits at this point while being a sidekick. I think this is an yes. important thing the movie does a he's, lot. He's changed so much, actually, just from the beginning where he didn't stand up to the bullies or his dad. Whenever he is fully immersed in like being a sidekick and this particular group of friends, he is the most heroic. It's when he is later in the hero track that he kind of loses that heroism. And I think that's a very important, like, little kind of narrative choice they made. But he also, he you know, he says all this. His his dad gets a little mad and storms off. His parents then talk in the <laughs> secret sanctum. Uh, this is where we get the line, you know, his mom is supportive because it's their son. They love him. Uh, and his dad's eventually like, you know what? You're right. He could always go into real estate. So. And he could always go into real estate. They love real estate so much. He also says all I ever wanted for him was to save the world, which is an incredibly, incredibly funny line funny in and of line. itself. Like this movie is so, it's so funny because it's so earnest and in its earnestness is ridiculous. It's wonderful. And Kurt Russell really does a, a really good performance. It's He's basically kind of just playing ego, but before he was ever cast as ego, but and not a villain he's, But time. actual good dad. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's, he's, oh, he gives a great performance. From this point forward, too, we get a little bit of Will's days at school. He stands up for Ron when Ron is being uh, targeted he stands by up the for Ron. bullies. Uh, unfortunately, that will not play well for Will at lunch that day as the bullies trip him and he lands right at the table of war and peace, spilling his lunch all over him. It's these wonderful little dominoes where they set up yes. where he is afraid of standing up for himself or anyone else, doesn't do it to his dad, doesn't do it to the bullies, gets placed in sidekick, gets a talk from Layla, learns to love being a sidekick, finds the confidence to stand up to his dad, finds the confidence to stand up to his bullies, which then direct domino causes the bullies to trick Warren and he into fighting in lunch, which direct domino leads to him getting his powers. Yes. Like literally learning to be strong emotionally is how he, like, again, it's like these, there's nothing subtle. There's nothing complicated about this. It's very it's efficient. Clean. Yes. It's clean. It's, and it's, I appreciate that. Yeah. It, there's nothing like metaphorical about this movie. It's very much going to tell you the beats it wants to hit and it is going to hit them, which is mm-hmm. appreciated because. Yeah. It's, I should, I, I, I should <laughs> say I, it wears its metaphors on its sleeve proudly. Yes. Like, it's not subtle about that. Not at all. Will tries to make peace with Warren, but Warren is fully in attack mood. It's revealed that he has fire powers. And then one of the bullies says that that's so hot, which is so hot. So yes. literal. <laughs> literally oh my god no i was like "Ooh, world world building um we have a queer character in sky high is this queer representation in sky high i mean i'm probably not great because it's so i'm definitely not great because it's so small and also he's kind of a kind of a dick it could see the my initial reaction was oh because he has fire powers that's a funny pun and then my second reaction was wait does he mean oh warren's so hot or does he mean oh those powers are so hot that one's unintentional oh it's definitely a bad joke but I, I choose to read yeah. it how I choose to if read you it. Need to, if you see yourself represented in Sky High and that's the bit you want to go with, then you know what? Do you. Everyone gets kind of 
called to the cafeteria. Everyone's like, oh my God, a f-. it's that thing that happens in high school where there's a fight and instead of running away, everyone's like, actually, I'm going to go mm-hmm. watch this. Very, very uh, accurate mm-hmm. to my high school experience. Everyone comes in, they see Will ducking under tables, trying to get away from Warren. Uh, his friends come to stand with him and come to his rescue, and Warren targets his friends, but Will, in a moment of wanting to save uh, his loved ones, lifts the table that Warren is standing on, revealing that he has just developed his super strength. He has superpowers. It's a it's big heroic moment for him. It's a big coming into his abilities because he has unlocked them through the power of friendship. Mm-hmm. They get pulled into... Actually, funniest moment of the fight. Layla throws a fire extinguisher at him to use on Warren Peace. Yes! And then he pulls the top off. I think the funniest moment in the fight is when Warren gets... Also, his name is Warren Peace. I feel like maybe we gl- glossed over that a little too quickly. It is. Uh, his name is his Warren Peace. His name is Warren Peace, and he is the child of a superhero and a supervillain. There's an uh, internal war. He gets... It's, it's beautiful. It's poetic. He gets thrown through... T- there's a scene with Boomer yes. and... Um, Dr. Medulla or something mm-hmm. uh, where they're talking what if I told you it wasn't just her twin it was her evil twin uh, and then he goes through two walls <laughs> into a concrete beam <laughs> smashes it then gets up and says you think I can't take a hit it's incredible um, this it's whole fantastic. fight is actually I think my favorite fight in the entire movie including the final like the final showdown oh, it's the is best like one. cool and all but this one is amazing so I guess Warren is somewhat invulnerable. It's not like technically his power, but I mean, if you get thrown through two sheets of concrete, I'm going to assume you have some level of super ability there. I assume that the school, because people must be constantly breaking it, is just made of styrofoam <laughs> and they just just keep rebuilding. You know what? I, it's just I like that headcanon better. We're going to go with that one. They get pulled into the principal's office for fighting. They get pulled into the, actually the, the detention room, which neutralizes all superpowers. Will tries to, you know, extend the olive branch and Warren threatens to roast him alive if he ever gets close to him again. So, you know, they're not friends yet. They're still uh, enemies. Will goes still home. Still a long way to go. <laughs> Will goes home and uh, does the super strength thing of accidentally pulling the door off of its hinges, which was very fun. Love that. He's super excited to tell his parents about his superpowers, but they are stern and angry because they got a call from the principal that he got into a fight at school. His mom is like, we have to, is he responsible enough to use his secret powers? But his dad takes him down to the secret sanctum and tells him how proud of him he is. And, and Kurt Russell's all over the place. Kurt Russell's yeah. all over the place. Uh, he gives him an Xbox for getting his powers, which is... <laughs> What? <laughs> Which one of the only things that dates this movie? This movie exists in a they they have cell phones that are rudimentary. Mm-hmm. Other than that, they kind of refuse to date the movie. Yes. <laughs> Which I think is a strength. It's weirdly timeless. It's, it's scarily like this could happen yesterday if not. Except for, for the except for the fashion. Except for the fashion. The fashion is you know, we're, but, but the fashion TikTok also isn't even two thousand. It's like two thousands back. So you know what I say? Bring sky high fashion back. <laughs> Let's bring back sky, sky high, high core is going to be the next big trend. You mark my words. <laughs> Everyone picks one color and they only wear yes, that. It's color. the Power Rangers effect, but instead of like '90s fashion, it's the mid 2000s. Yes. The robot is watching, so once again we get a little cutaway to the villain, Vo- voiced by Patrick Warburton. By the yes, way, yes. So this is a point. <laughs> the voice um, of Kronk. The voice of Kronk is exclusively Royal Pains speaking voice. Um, voice. In mask. In the mask. So whenever the mask is on and yes. we hear the super the supervillain, it's that is Patrick Warburton. I did not realize that until I looked at the IMDb page afterwards. He is 
chameleoning into this role. <laughs> See, I hear that and I think, oh, that's Patrick Warburton doing the only Patrick Warburton voice that exists. It is it is modulated, right? Yes, it's, I think the modulation was what was throwing me off. Oh, yeah. It's definitely, if you don't know what you're listening for, then I think it can be hard. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you don't think about Patrick Warburton uh, roughly four times a day like I do. Um, <laughs> he occupies so much of my headspace. It's not proportional to the amount of things I've even seen him in. I mean, let alone I think that just means you have to seek out more Patrick Warburton. I should watch, to watch. I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of rules of engagement, which I think <laughs> sets me. Um, not a good show, mind you. Not no, a good not, show. Not particularly. Um, sorry to you rules of engagement stands out there. Yeah. Will has made sidekick history. You know, he's beaten up his bully and crazy. His friends are all proud of him. Class begins, but Will is called away to join the hero track. He's reluctant at this point to leave his friends behind, but they all encourage him. They say, you know, well, we can still hang out at lunch and stuff. So at this point, you know, it's, it seems like he's still kind of loyal to his 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 old friends who liked him before he got all cool and strong. He gets partnered in Science Lab, where they are building freeze rays, not heat rays, uh, with the teaching assistant, the senior Gwen, the hot chick from earlier. I didn't realize that high schools had teaching assistants. I thought that was a college Me thing. Me neither. I was like, I was like, is she a graduate? No, she's just a she's senior, just a senior who is, presumably she would have I guess, has a other free period and yeah. is a teaching. Yeah. My understanding is that the advanced, keep in mind though, there is no college for superheroes in this universe. So maybe it works a little bit differently. But uh, my understanding was if you're one of the advanced kids, you probably don't even have lunch let alone a free period to be a ta yeah i guess maybe it's like, like the opposite of like the sidekicks actually have to work for what they're doing and the heroes are just like well we're st- we have superpowers so we don't we don't need to do as much this is another question about the world building of sky high that i feel like the movie does not delve into enough with this one throwaway line about her being a teaching assistant instead of just being in the class exactly and it's so it's so <laughs> insane also played by uh played by uh miss ramona flowers herself yes yes from Scott Pilgrim, which I didn't realize because as soon as someone changes their hair at all, I don't recognize them. <laughs> yeah, it was paid Mary Elizabeth Winstead, um, a.k.a. Winstead, Ramona yeah. Um, Who was in Birds of Prey recently? Yes, she was Huntress, I think. Yeah. I think. Yes, she was Huntress. I still have to see that. Yes, me, me too. Well, that's that's another podcast. <laughs> come back come back for episode uh, whenever you, uh, episode 15 where I'll be back and we'll talk about Birds of Prey. <laughs> Careful, people will hold you to that. We'll do the entire um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead um, catalog. Amazing. She reveals that she her powers is, she is a technopath because she, she can manipulate technology with her mind. I, it's unclear if she has to actually know how the technology works or if she can kind of just like move technological parts around or if like her technopathy <sighs> a is... A little column yeah. A, a little column B. It's implied that she's very, very smart and very good at building things. And she, she builds his uh, freeze ray for him. And he's, you know, found out almost immediately by the teacher who's like, next time, do it yourself. haha. And she offers to tutor him. Keep that in mind. She now is in tight with this freshman for seemingly no reason other than he is Will mm. Powers. Creepy. Creepy. <laughs> Will gets to sit with the popular kids at lunch. His old friends try to come and sit with him, but they get shunned away by a cheerleader who can multiply herself so that the entire cheer squad is actually just this one girl, which is hilarious. It's so good. Oh, God. <laughs> Layla's not happy, but goes and sits somewhere else. Will catches up with her later and says, hey, that was shitty of me to do at lunch. Let's go get Chinese food later, and I'll make it up to you. And he, she's like, but you don't like Chinese food. And he's like, yeah, but you do, which is sweet. Will then is now saving the nerds from the bullies. He's kind of like watching out for his friends. But as he is kind of standing in the way of the bullies, 
his friends Zach and Ethan volunteer him to try and win against them in Save the Citizen, a gym class game, in order to win their freedom for the rest of the year, or else uh, Ethan specifically will get swirlies for the rest of the year. Swirlies. I feel like we need to... In one of the, like... (laughs) Yes. Okay. This is where the subtext that they're actually creating supervillains becomes text, because the gym is just half of you are going to have to be heroes, half of you will be villains to fight the heroes. There's no, like, it. it's just like fight each other, pound on each other, uh, and half you play the villains. It's, it's So I feel like we should explain what saved, because the next scene is the save the citizen fight scene. And I feel like we need to explain the rules that I have been able to suss out of what save the citizen actually is. Essentially, there is a dummy that is being slowly lowered into a, a spinning razor blade pit and... There are two pairs on opposite teams. So the two bullies, the fast kid and the stretchy kid, and then um, two opponents face off. The bullies are the villains seemingly every time because they get to pick who they're fighting against next. Yes. So it's implied that it's like, kind undefeated. of like they're undefeated. So I guess they've just they're undefeated. been the villains so they've been for the weeks. Villain for- weeks apparently <laughs> yeah um, everyone else in gym class gets changed sits in the bleachers for 45 minutes yeah yeah it's <laughs> and then it goes and gets changed again. um and the heroes have to try the two students who get chosen as heroes have to try and take down the villains and save the citizen you know we watch the citizen get shredded up by the team that goes first and then the bullies get to pick who their next opponents are which is a weird which is a bad yeah strategy for team selection that's they, <laughs> like i'm just imagining dodgeball where they're like they give it you know like they pick two captains and the in gym and they're like pick go back and forth pick your team i'm just imagining they pick one person and they're like make your team and make the enemy team <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like it's, it's the exact same logic it's wild they of course they pick will because they have their outstanding bet but then to be his partner they pick dun 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 war and peace who up to this point will is again still feuding with although the subtext and genre savviness tells us that soon they will be friends yeah at first they're getting uh absolutely destroyed by the bullies you know the fast kid is getting out of the way of will's punches and the the stretchy kid keeps somehow taking down war and i don't really remember exactly how he was accomplishing that but uh he doesn't uh, uh speed does all the work in this fight lash <laughs> grabs lash catapults speed at the beginning to make him go faster and then lash tries to grab warren once and warren burns him he does nothing else for the rest of the fight will take slash down easily <laughs> yes he, he ties him up around like a pole he ties which stretch arms. his powers seem kind of inconvenient because if you stretch him out he can't like untie himself from things this this becomes relevant later on at a point where i think he actually would have been killed in real life but we'll talk about that when we get to it um here it's established <laughs> yes. that like like if you tie him up he can't like stretch himself in such a way as to come untied like he's stuck like that until someone unties him it's no, he just he just elastics his arms like one of those old toys. Like he doesn't yeah. he's not like Reed Richards like morph his body into he's something. He's just very he's stretchy. Just make arms long. Yeah. It you know, Will and Warren they start to turn the tides a little bit. Will uh t- ties up stretch and then he has the chance to either cha- save the citizen or save Warren who whose speed has been whirling around in like that flash vortex and sucking all the oxygen away yep. to stop him from creating Which fire. Which they explain to us. Yes, Thank the, you. the science Thank teacher you, does explain it uh, from the bleachers where he's watching with Mr. Boy. But also Warren can't breathe. And I'm like, this is a death match. You, you've had these high schoolers against each other in a death match now. One of them shoots flame. <laughs> How could it have not have been a death match? <laughs> um, Will manages to. That's not, that's not, a, that's not an attack 
to that's not a non-lethal attack power. No. Neither really is him a little super bit. strength. Like you Neither can't temper strength. that. <laughs> you could punch someone and they would die. But Will manages to kind of uh, to save Warren to break him out from the vortex, and then Warren throws Will, and they catch the uh, citizen, and they manage to beat the bullies for the first time ever. They they're victorious. Uh, Will tries to be like, "Hey, good work, Warren," and Warren's like, huh, and shrugs him off. They're not yet bros, but they have, you know, a begrudging respect is forming. We cut back to Will's house. Gwen is there for some reason. She stopped by to tutor him completely unannounced. Phones do exist in this universe, which just makes that incredibly weird. He has a cell phone. He has a cell phone, I'm, yes. You, just, you would never show up to someone's house. I'm sorry. That really bugged me. It's one of those, it's one of those like, this exists in no yes. particular year details. Where it's like, I guess in maybe in the maybe 90s definitely earlier you would have yes, walked her, just shown up her at explanation house, for why she's there is also anymore. a week she says she stopped by to tutor him because the day they were supposed to do tutoring doesn't actually work for her but at the same time in the greater context of the movie when we find out why she was you know really cozying up to him that kind of doesn't matter so it really this just exists to give the um problem of now will is hanging out with gwen and his parents um and layla is left alone at the chinese restaurant where will was supposed to meet her for the first time so he he goes through his arc in the beginning learns some lesson or starts to learn some lessons starts to stand up for himself gets reward with powers makes some amends some small amends with warren uh and now he is tested for the first time with his rewards and <laughs> ultimately fails forgets yes. to go Yes. See Miss uh, Miss Daniel. His parents really like Gwen. His dad makes the weird comment of like she's a senior, and his mom's like, and she fixed the dishwasher. Which like the dishwasher thing, you know what? I'll give him. It would be very convenient if someone who came over my house could just like fix our dishwasher with their mind. Weird that his dad was so caught up on her being a senior. <laughs> she invites his parents to attend the homecoming dance to get a new award called the Heroes of the Year Award. They of course agree because they kind of revel in this like top hero status in the same way that they revel in the success of their real estate empire. <laughs> Back at the restaurant, yep, exactly. Layla is uh, sitting alone. The waitress kind of like gives her a little weird look that she's still sitting there waiting. Um, and she runs into Warren, who is bussing tables. They have like an awkward like, hey, I know you from school moment. Uh, and then he sits down to have some dinner with her. It's so great. He doesn't even it's recognize so her he's, at first. It's so funny. Does he not. truly he, He's genuinely like care. a good person at the end of the day. He just doesn't really care about anything except like, I guess, antagonizing Will for the first two thirds of the movie. <laughs> He's a stoic, classic Yeah, stoic he's a loner. stoic loner. Classic Lancer. They end up having a little dinner together. Honestly, my sky-high hot take is that Layla and Warren should have ended up together, not Layla and Will. Oh, absolutely. So much more chemistry. They have so much more chemistry. Will is... I like Will, by the way. I, I actually like Will. I think that he actually... It, it would be mm -hmm. easy for him to kind of be a jerk, but I think he's actually pretty good, and it genuinely makes yes, um, mistakes. Yes, in this movie like it's not that he's actually like bad I, I like him a lot his his flaws come from actual genuine mistakes yeah, it's rather not like than like actually character being malicious, flaws which I think it that he easy is to do like constantly the, the suffering friend. from it's yeah. like judgment calls which are things you can kind of learn from in a way that character flaws sometimes you can't in movies and um i think it, it kind of like works to his advantage it would have been easy to push him into the like he's a i mean he, he is kind of a jerk but like the fact like that he has yeah, some innate I, the jerkness, jerkness is to very him environmental. He does. i like will uh absolutely 
absolutely fire and plant power Warren, combo uh, fantastic and, uh, she's like to get together. all yep. down he he cold reads her on site he's like oh yeah you've got a crush on will it's obvious from the everything about you um he reads a fortune cookie at her it's so cute it's so cute just the one line where she's like you're not supposed to use your powers because she's just do good good two shoes he's like <laughs> i was just gonna use the microwave anything has more chemistry than anything else movie. Um, that goes on. We cut back to Will. He's walking Gwen home. She does a textbook like, I don't actually have a date for homecoming. I'm waiting for the right guy to ask me line. Uh, and then she just straight up invites Will to homecoming. It comes off as very pushy. And that will be important later on. Right now, it's just like, oh, hey, everything's going right for Will. He gets a little kiss on the cheek. We meet her creepy dad mm-hmm. when he opens the door and asks Will if he's that kid with the six arms. And then he says, God. Will's like, no, I only have two. And his dad's like, we'll keep him off my daughter. And Will very excitedly begins heading home after knocking down a street light accidentally. Locks down a street He tries to put it back up so and then it falls funny. down again. And so he just kind of runs away, which is a very like teenager way of dealing with problems. Best visual gag. He doesn't even try to catch it the second time. When he sees it's falling again, he's just like, no, we're out of here. Yeah, we're, we're leaving. Um, the villain, we cut to the villains once again. Uh, they reveal that they have a big <laughs> plan did. for the homecoming dance, but they need the pacifier. Um, Will realizes that he left Layla at the restaurant and she decides after talking with Warren that she's going to ask him to the dance. They meet up in the morning to get on the bus. She's like, hey, I've got something big to tell you. And he's like, me too. And then he's, of course, says, Gwen asked me to the dance. And Layla gets really sad about it. And she's like, I'm also going to homecoming, which is a very funny cover story. We go to another day at Sky High. Layla, in an attempt to make Will jealous, says that she's going to homecoming with Warren. Will does not take it well. And now Layla and the sidekick squad, uh, they decide to... First, Layla sits with Warren at lunch. Uh, and he's like, why are you here? And she's like, actually, um, I need you to pretend to be my date to homecoming so that we can make Will jealous. And Warren's like, well, if it makes Will mad, then I'm in, which is fantastic characterization on his part <laughs> it's so good yeah to just be like oh his yeah. number one priority is just bothering will he's not even that bad a guy like he'll do nice exactly. things for people if it gets on will's nerve and also just the sidekick showing up and him trying to scare magenta <laughs> and magenta just being magenta and layla have this little exchange when he's like i'm the tough guy no one sits at my table yes. they have this little look that is so funny. And she, like, uh, Layla mocks him a little bit. Again, the chemistry. This might be my favorite scene in the movie is when all the... Because Warren and Layla are sitting at lunch table and all of the sidekicks one by one come and sit around Warren and Layla. And like, they, this is just what they're doing. They follow her. So they're like, well, we sit here now. And sort of just, like, by sheer power yes. of numbers and force, they end up, like, being like, oh, Warren's our friend now. We're we're all bros with this tough guy. He's he's one of us. He got adopted into the group in place mm-hmm. of Will. It's fantastic. Zach uh, subtly drops that he's trying to get Magenta to go to homecoming with him, which is a very cute kind of, like, side thing that's going on throughout the movie. Layla keeps yes. running into Gwen and Will, who then keeps running over to Warren to make Will jealous. Uh, Gwen and Will are studying and Gwen gets a call back at his house. She asks if the committee could come to stop by and help build a fog machine for the homecoming dance after it has broken at the last minute. You know, this is classic, like, we can just have a few friends over. And Will's like, no, I, you know, my parents don't like me to have people over when they're out. And he's like, it'll just be the committee. And then we hard cut to a party, an absolute rager going, a superhero rager. Mm-hmm. The act, the actual way things go. 
not filled with any drinks, mind you. The uh, explicitly, we see the the cooler, the ice tub. It's, it's just amazing. like orange and she, soda. At one point, and uh, Gwen will ask for a diet orange soda, confirming that that is in fact soda and nothing else. It's amazing. I should say, go. I don't know. I don't normally say pop. I say pop because <laughs> it seems appropriate for this this situation. But I I want to be clear that in the the great war of how you would describe that i would i would say a soda i usually say a soda or a coke so i'm gonna i'm gonna solidly solidly fall in that line or a coke yeah, yeah. i think that's an east coast thing. there might be a west coast I think thing it's like, it's like they call it pop thing. um yeah it's 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 the it's the hoagie yeah, versus sub we'll versus here we'll be talking debate. for another 30 minutes if we get into the semantics of regional dialects so we should return to sky high <laughs> that's I don't know if you. That's 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 Patreon. That's some paid content. That's that's ten dollars a month. Patreon um, content right there. They, you know, this is the scene where we get uh, my second favorite Larry moment, which is uh, Larry in his two-ton rock form sits on a couch, and the couch like sinks up at one end, and he like puts his arm around the other end of the couch, and Will says to him, "Larry, do you have to be a two-ton rock right now?" And he just kind of like makes rock noises in response, and he does not detransform. <laughs> <laughs> he can't speak in rock form. So <laughs> he can't funny. speak in rock form. It's so funny. He's just like trying. He's very clearly it's like trying amazing. to hit on people in rock form. It's just like Larry is just an absolutely can't inspired speak. side uh, character, and like he's like this misfit in the hero track, and it it works incredibly well. He's he's like a foil to Will in a lot of ways, where he's a misfit in the hero track, but not because his like personality doesn't match the rest of the like heroes, but because like what's funny though is that it's it also shows the weird ecosystem here, which is that. It doesn't really actually matter. Like the trappings of popularity are there. Like the cool kids mm-hmm. kind of dress cool. The cool kids seem like they go to parties and stuff. But what actually makes you cool or not yeah. is solely your powers. Because he's one of the popular kids. He's invited to the party. It has nothing. Like his popularity is not based on all uh, at all on the fact that he's a five foot four uh, Afro ginger with glasses who wears gray sweater vests. It's <laughs> only on that he has a good power. It's only that. Yeah. Otherwise, he would be one of the losers in by like general conventions. It's so good that they just do that. They're like. There are these things do exist, but really, at the end of the day, ninety eight percent of what makes you popular or unpopular it's, it's is like how a, good your He's a fantastic is. like character that establishes the ecosystem of the world. Will feels bad that he did not invite his sidekick friends to the party. Gwen talks him out of it, saying that they wouldn't have fun there anyway. They uh, are like sitting on a couch doing absolutely nothing. To, to which he responds. To which he responds, I think they would, which is a great little insight where it's it's all the time. I feel like there's that pressure of like, oh, would your friends really want to be here? It's like, oh, of course. Or yes. they would. That's a ridiculous sentiment that they'd be like, they wouldn't like it here. Yes. Uh, he'd be like, I um, think that that's ridiculous. Absolute nonsense. It's it's nice that Will is like consistently on his friend's side throughout the movie. He, he never really like turns on them, which is kind of what you would expect to happen yes. with this sort of plot line is like, oh, he's going to turn on them. And he is like rude to them at points, but he's never like, I hate these people. These people aren't my friends anymore. It's always like, these are my friends and I've been kind of shitty to them. Um, but they're still my friends. He never chooses. Yeah, he never really chooses the the popular kids over his friends, except for at the lunch table where he then apologizes. At the party, he's going to invite them and then gets told yeah. not to and then gets side like he wants to keep talking about it. She yes. specifically sidetracks him. And then Which, he's happy when Layla shows note, up. Important note: she sidetracks him by her. saying, "Is there somewhere private we can go?" They get interrupted by Speed, and so he takes her into the secret sanctum, dun dun dun, the place he was never supposed to take anyone into. Meanwhile, 
As they are making out in the secret sanctum, in the background, a blurred figure swipes the pacifier. <gasps> Who could it be? This, actually, I, I'm pretty sure it's the weird jester guy, right? <laughs> it has to be. <laughs> Who else could... I have to assume I mean, you're joking. Oh, wait, speed, duh. Oh, <laughs> It's speed. It's speed. Speed comes in to check on them oh, to see if they've you know, gone in yet. I did not yet. put that together. <laughs> and also presumably to push them to go to a more private spot. I have not seen this movie in a while. At this point watching it, I don't think I had realized that speed was actually a villain and not just like a bully. Because there's often that distinction. In this, is, It's kind of like the, um, it's sort of the, like Peter Parker and um, his bully is Brock. Flash Johnson. Thank you. I'm what? Flash Thompson. Brock is our oh, Brock, Brock but, like, is also Flash kind of is very it, much like Peter Parker's Flash. antagonist, but he's not like actually the. No, he likes Spider Man. That's the that's in all lore he likes yeah, Spider Man. Yeah, but he's not like, like the super the villain point. of the story. And so at this point, watching Sky High, I was like, oh, Speed is kind of the Flash to Will, where he's like a, a bully. Flash Thompson, not the Flash, <laughs> the character who is speedy <laughs> yes, in yes. comics. Uh, there's a lot of confusion. Clear. This is. But that's the whole thing, is that he's both the Flash Thompson and the Green Goblin, because in this universe, attending this high school, you <laughs> fall into good or evil eventually, and then you will become the supervillain. There is no distinction between the bullies and the supervillains, because supervillains in the real world are just yes. the extension of um, the high school trauma. I think that's why, at this point watching the movie, I was like, oh, the jester steals the pacifier, but l looking back at it now, I'm like, oh no, obviously it was speed. They go back up to the party, no one notices the pacifier is gone yet, Layla enters when uh, Will is off getting Gwen a drink, Gwen notices and gets very catty and like tells her Will is avoiding her. Layla gets really upset. Will jumps in at the worst possible moment and is like super happy to see her and Layla runs out crying. I give props to Will here and that he has the movie sense to say to Gwen that she's dumped. He's like, hey, what did you say to her? Why would you tell her to leave? None of that stuff is true. Gwen gets really indignant. Will runs off after Layla or he is about to run off to after Layla, but he turns around and sees his parents who end the party. Will says that he doesn't actually want to go to homecoming anymore. His parents tell him he has to because they're going to reveal the stronghold three there. Uh, he just sulks up to his room. His mom uh, has mom senses and knows something's up. Will tries to call Layla a bunch. He leaves a message. Uh, he can't get through to her. He goes to the paper lantern to the Chinese restaurant to continue calling her. Where Boom, Coach Boom, and the mad science professor are there with their date with the twins. The good twins. With the, the twins. Evil twins. Oh my god. Boomer <laughs> just getting drunk on sake as, as they, they fought over Boomer, Medulla. Coach Boom, and um, the mad science professor Medulla's constant bro friendship thing that they got going on in the background. Like the, the inner lives of these teachers, because like this kind of applies to um, uh, Mr. Boy as well. Like their whole thing they have going on is a fantastic sort of like B not even B, like C plot of this movie. It's just like they have this ongoing just like it's social like, yeah. hierarchy that they're working through. But Will is sitting there trying to call Layla. He has this similar moment to Layla where he runs into Warren bussing. Warren just straight up says like, oh, I'm just going with her to the dance to make you mad. He and Will have a little bit of a heart to heart. So I guess they're they're kind of like begrudging friends now. Warren is rocking a man bun. Absolutely uh, rocking Maybe the, the first man, man bun. Warren's, he has that like grungy so uh, 2000s like I'm an edgelord boy look going on that is just like it's such a distinct time capsule of like that particular era because now we have like e-boys no 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 Warren is like Warren Kevin 11 like even kind of like Zuko to a point are like where's the sad boys this is a this is a whole ecosystem of looks that like I am so glad they leaned into it's chef's kiss it's, it's great <laughs> he looks great it's great 
He looks great. He looks that's, great. That's all there can say to it. He looks great. Um, lots say? of leather jackets. Now it is time for the homecoming dance. Woo! Zach is uh, dancing. He asks Magenta if she wants to dance. She says no, and he kind of like nods along. <laughs> He's, He's wearing, wearing like dress capris. It's so... He constantly looks like he belongs on a beach in Florida, and it's incredible that they were so consistent in that wardrobe choice. It's... I, I love Zach. I love everything about him. Oh, God. Ethan just wears <laughs> orange all the time. He's wearing like, the biggest orange fantastic. suit in the world. Um, Layla is getting some punch from Mr. Boy, who spills on himself and then does the quick change gag. She yes, turns around and Warren is there, and he actually wore a suit. He said he wasn't going to rent a tux, but then he did. This is the second point in the movie where I was like, oh, they're so cute. I wish they would get together instead of Will and Layla, but whatever. Uh, Will isn't leaving with his parents who say they're going to take off implying that his mother is going to carry his father up to the school which is hilarious and also raises the question of how did everyone else get there for the homecoming dance because uh, presumably Ron didn't fly them all there since it's not school hours so did they all separately find like how did they get to did they stay at school it's a (laughs) fantastic question well it's a Saturday because the night before was the Friday because I believe they say Friday night is the night that Dula and Boomer are going out on the. He's the continuity to get paid. That's true. That's true. So I, I, this is you know one of the few world building holes in the movie that I think we can consistently find is how did they get to Sky High? How did they get there on a Saturday? One of the few flaws. One of the few Um, flaws. You know, Will is flipping through his dad's old yearbook. His mom hands it to him as they're leaving to say, like, so your dad doesn't try and reminisce with everyone at the party. Flipping through, he sees the image of Sue Tenney, who we noticed earlier. And looking at her, he's like, oh, shit, that's Gwen. Realizing that uh, Gwen is the pacifier's daughter. (gasps) Will now has to get to Sky High in a hurry. And he whips out (laughs) Ron's uh, bus driver uh what's the business card business card thank you bus driver business business card ron wilson bus driver that's all there is to it so we our our question of how will he get to sky high is answered um the principal uh his parents are about to decide not to go into the dance but as they're walking in the principal gives a speech and a spotlight shines on them she says the head of the homecoming community is going to committee is going to give a speech gwen gets up on stage she says they planned a tribute to the most powerful superheroes to walk the halls of sky high and then says, me, jumps off the stage and whips, like, Wonder Woman spins into puts, her puts a, costume. Uh, the cloak <laughs> passes over her and she quick changes into royal pain. Royal pain. It is absolutely the funniest a, villain reveal a of costume all time. That has built in boobs, yet the commander assumed that the pacifier was a man all these years. It's. I mean, it's he's just very progressive. He's like, you know, I... <laughs> I think it's the opposite. I think he's like, um, it doesn't matter what this person is wearing. Only, super, only a man could be a super villain. <laughs> it's either that or he's like, you know what? It doesn't matter like what gender you were born as. It's all about how you identify and just assume that the pacifier, which is, you know, also not great. You should not assume. It? You should always ask. <laughs> Just heard that they spoke like Patrick Warburton and was like, this must be a man. This must be a dude. But she reveals what the the pacifier does all this time is that it can turn adults into children. So as, you know, his parents go to fight back, they get turned into babies. Mr. Boy saves his mother's life. Mr. Boy with the best joke in the whole movie, which is where he sees that Jetstream is going to fall, puts the cheese he has on in his hand, about to eat, on the plate and then throws the plate over his shoulder. 
<laughs> it's Mr. Boy is consistently like my favorite background adult in the movie because he, he just always is up to some like very subtly funny uh, physical comedy. He catches Jetstream, saves her life. All of the adults start getting blasted, but the way that they're blasting them is not that they're hitting them directly with the pacifier. Royal Payne is shooting the pacifier beam at the disco ball on the ceiling, which is then ricocheting around the room and hitting different people to turn them into babies. So it's not a direct babyification. It is through disco ball, which is a, a detail that I absolutely love because other than I will parents- that would ref- refract and send it everywhere. Uh, it, but, but when we no, see it, really it only goes in one it's direction. It, it's like a just a reflection. Um, yes, just for flair. <laughs> Warren, Layla, and the rest of the nerd crew all escape through the vent to get out of the room as everyone else is locked in the homecoming dance room by the now-revealed-be-working-with-the-villains a uh, villains in the making all along. Speed and Stretchy Kid, whose name I always forget, and Cheerleader. Uh, Lash. Lash. Lash, Speed, um, Penny, Penny, I think Penny it is. Yeah. Penny the cheerleader yes. who can multiply. They all trap everyone in the homecoming suite. Fantastic. Um, who could have seen it coming? Who could have seen it coming? Wow, the bullies are actually the villains. And Will and Ron arrive on the scene in his bus. Zach's glow helps them see through the vents as Warren and Layla and crew are making their escape. Um, he provides easily... As we'll, we'll go one by one how each of them <laughs> help win the day. Uh, Zach provides easily the least help of any Oh, day. yes. He, he just makes he, it easier to see in the vents. The Which... rest of them have tangible, <laughs> tangible uh, roles that could not be done by anyone else and that they would not have succeeded without. Um, mm-hmm. He just makes it easier to say. Uh, Will notices the glow and opens the vent for them to escape from. Uh, they all get out together. Ron waits with the bus. They fill him in on what's happening. The movie really takes no prisoners with plot speed because as soon as he sees Layla, Will, and Layla kiss... The bullies get ready to fight Warren, uh, Layla, and Ethan. Warren, Layla, and Ethan are like, no, no, we got this. Go take care of Royal Payne. You're the only ones who can stop her. Zach and Magenta are like, we'll sit this out, guys. Yes. They just go back. They don't go to do anything. They just go back in the vent. Yeah. They return to the vent until they will be necessary for the plot later. So for, for now, later, they can yeah. hang out in the vent out of the way so the writers do not have to deal with them. Layla is cornered by the cheerleader. Uh, Ethan goes to catch the stretchy kid and Warren faces down against Speedster. A, a matchup we've already learned. A matchup is bad. we've already learned is bad. The villains begin loading the babies into a bus, which is when Ron notices that someone else is kind of like dealing around the bus. Royal Payne is monologuing about how she's going to start a supervillain academy, which kind of is already is what exactly exists. Exactly what is going on. It's so, so funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a true school for super villains oh man she so she's monologuing to will at this point and and she's like you know i'm it's not i'm not royal pain's daughter i'm royal pain the pacifier turned me into a kid and i had to like go through high school again but when i went through high school the first time people didn't know what technopaths were and so i was made a sidekick and like i had a really terrible time and so it's like her revenge is essentially like getting revenge on all her high school bullies and i'm like mm-hmm. and their kids and their kids and i'm like oh so you just really hated sky high you're creating a worse version of you're creating, you're creating sky high too sky high it's, you're creating sky high it'll just be the same it's, thing it's oh, not God. it's a misalignment of like villainous plan and like their r- reason for being a villain but it also is a very uh genius commentary on the actual like 
crux of the movie itself where it's like this school and what happens the, when the system a... <laughs> ultimately the divisions being artificially created by high school yes. are flawed and ultimately bad no matter where you put them or how you slice or dice them exactly will then says the immortal line oh ew i made out with an old lady and they proceed to fight we cut to puddle lots boy. of lots of cgi lightning lots of cgi lightning ethan is hiding in the bathroom from stretch stretch goes to the toilet thinking oh my god ethan is in the toilet as a liquid he's like <laughs> no way but then ethan unmelts and like jumps up to the top of the bathroom stall and pushes pushes head down <laughs> into the swirly into the swirly and then just leaves Drowning him there him. stuck yeah he would drown right like he doesn't have super my, breathing my powers. Thought, my thought is that um, he would stretch his mouth up out of the water to breathe, but we don't know that he's capable. We don't of know that, that he's capable of that. We know he lives to the end because he's in the end, but uh, it does seem harsh. Of and he's also like leave him to that fully fate. stuck in this toilet. Like it's not like he can he's unstretch himself stuck. out. He's the limitations he's, on his he, powers are crazy. Yeah, he, he deals. He deals with. Yeah, he deals with lash. Uh, comes out and helps. Uh, comes out helps and helps Warren. Warren so he, he goes puddle and uh, Speedster slips on him, and then Warren is able to barbecue Speed through a wall. He gets like stuck mm-hmm. in one. Layla is facing off against Penny. Penny's like, "What's she gonna do?" And then Layla goes like, "Ah, oh, fine," and has like a full poison ivy moment, and like brings vines out of the windows and like shows off that she's actually like superhero level. And Penny's like, "But I thought you were a sidekick." She's like, "I am." I am. As she goes to leave, Penny's like, wait, no, don't leave me here. The school is going to fall out of the sky. Royal Pain sabotaged it. Oh, no. They're going to turn off, like, the anti-gravity whatevers that keep it afloat. They, (laughs) so they figure out where the anti-gravity device is hidden in the school, and they have no way of getting to it except through a small pipe. Someone points out the only way you could fit through that pipe is if you were, like, rodent-sized, and everyone looks at Magenta, who does not want to turn into a guinea pig and go into that pipe. I know. She's so <laughs> against. She's like, oh my god, the humiliation. I guess I have to to prevent the school from falling out of the sky. Yes. Zack gives her some directions, and she heads into the pipe as the guinea pig and proceeds to try and gnaw on the wire of the device to keep it from uh, successfully going off. As Will is fighting royal pain they throw him out of a window and he plummets for a few seconds before realizing wait i can fly we get one of those classic shots where royal pain is like talking to someone as though they've won and they don't see the window behind them and will rises up through the window and we're all like they fly now they fly now (laughs) that's bad comedy gold unfortunately royal pain's device goes off and the school begins plummeting uh we get a very very funny shot with a very funny adr sound effect of a guinea pig trying to gnaw through a wire will flies oh, the <laughs> worst guinea pig puppet worst guinea pig puppet so funny uh will flies under the school to try and lift it up but he is not strong enough to stop it from plummeting entirely ron wilson bus driver punches the weird jester man and takes his bus back with the line like you're not authorized to fly this or something like that yep um, Only one person is authorized to transport superhuman. So it's like, yeah. great. Ron it's Wilson, great. Ron driver. Wilson, bus driver. <laughs> uh, oh my god! This whole like kind of like last act sort of blurs together because it kind of doesn't matter what order the events he, happen. Yeah, in. the 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 wires chewed through will uh, manages to prevent the school from crushing a newly moved into house. Yes, uh, tying everything back to real estate. Scary to me. Back, back to real estate, and a scene that would always uh, nearly upset me when I was young. I felt so bad for that couple who seemed so nice, and their house almost got destroyed. Uh, yes, but well, you know what? That makes it, it even doesn't. more tragic. Is it they doesn't. 
they talk. They didn't get the insurance. They didn't get the insurance. They have, so we cut to, in the middle of this fight, very quiet street, this couple staring at a house they just bought, and they're like, I told you we didn't need the insurance, honey. And then the school and Will proceed to almost fall on top of their house, and it is hilarious. They defeat Royal Pain, they unload all the babies, and the science teacher, who is still super smart, even though he is a baby, does say, like, I can probably change it so the pacifier makes us all our right age again. He then also says the line, regrettably, I have made a boom boom, and every student mm-hmm. steps away from him, as though saying, I do not want to be the one to deal with the boom boom. Everyone goes about depacifying all of the people. They organize the whole thing. Will admits to his parents that he took Gwen into the sanctum, but they don't really seem to care that much because, you know, they're uh, fine now. And the They hero... all got tricked, <laughs> and he saved the day, so. Yes. The Hero of the Year award, despite being a ploy by Gwen to get them to the school, is given out anyway, and it goes to the group of sidekicks who all get to put one hand on this uh, trophy. They get called heroes. It's a whole thing. The villains are stored in the detention room, which uh, has several immortal lines. One of them from Royal Pain, who says, I went through puberty twice for this, which, oof. The, the, yes. the ADR so, line. Uh, I'm not Linda Carter, uh, as, the princ- as Principal Powers, turns and says, I'm not Wonder Woman. Of course, famously, being the actress who played Wonder Woman, we as the audience understand that this is a joke in-universe. I guess it implies that Wonder Woman exists. Whether or not she exists as a hero or just a comic book character is unclear. Seemingly, having dealt with the issue of the night, the homecoming dance continues as planned. <laughs> Goes back on, plays the song, I'll Stop the World and Melt With You, which weirdly in my head all these years was um, <laughs> the middle. But that's because I'm always seeing that. That might be because I'm always seeing that song. But I think I thought my it, obsession with that song started from watching this movie. It is the right genre of music to have like, been yes, in this movie. So it's possible that you just kind of like inserted it in your brain ending. and it just like has become associated yes. with it. Magenta and Zach get to dance together. Zach's very excited. Layla and Will are flying outside of the school making out. It's all very teen movie. Warren and I, the ice girl from the beginning of the movie, remember her who killed two men, reappears seemingly out of the ether, holds hands with Warren unprompted. <laughs> they have like a sizzle because her ice powers and his fire cancel out, I guess. And they just walk off implying that that is their happy ending. <laughs> uh, and then we get another little comic book wrap up as per the beginning of the movie. Ron ended up falling into toxic waste and now is a giant human who defends the city from giant robots. Um, and everything turned out fine. And that's, that's sky mm-hmm. high. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> that's high that's, school. Hey, that's, that's high school for you. God, this, so I think, I think mm-hmm. we hit a lot of the, like, strengths of this movie as we were going through. But yeah, it's just, it's so truly, truly sold on its own premise, but doesn't take itself too seriously. It's so much fun. We, it's a real breeze. We kind of, like, really, like, skimmed through that last act. One, because we're two hours in <laughs> to a, a, a 90 minute movie <laughs> um but also because it kind of just like really goes like it becomes the superhero thing but sort of where you have the big superhero fight but everything that's important is about the characters yeah which we know yeah. because it's a high school movie so it sort of all blurs together in the end and that's that's all right it's it's really it's just definitely a it's like there's a lot of everything they've gone through so it's very quippy in a lot of, 10 out of not 10. quippy in the way that a lot of marvel movies are today but it's it's sort of like a proto spider-man in a lot of ways um and i, th- I think it's if you're looking for 
like a very yes. easy breezy kind of fun kids flick this is an excellent option for that and it, it, it doesn't waste any time or pretense on what it is it, it gets through the beats it needs to get through to make the payoff pay off it's also I'd, I'd say if you're interested in like structure of movies at all i think it's very good it's a great like example movie like yeah so like Lindsay ellis has a great video talking about um the the tenets of screenwriting what beats you have to hit when during what act uh she compares it to disney's hercules because it's a great movie for that i would say this is also a great movie for that it's uh and and for learning and for learning like just efficient writing in Mm -hmm. general uh, because they do they, do. they it, fit a lot of it was clearly uh, undertaken with care yeah it was undertaken with with appreci- appreciation um and it wasn't trying to be too much yeah like sharp isn't the right word for the writing here it's very like it's not necessarily that it's like pointed but it's it's efficient and it still manages to be i think pretty i had a pretty good time watching this it's been a long time since i watched sky high and i was like oh you know what this is actually not Dad a terrible watched it twice and i time. didn't regret it yeah uh seeing as the other movies i've watched so far have been rubber and flushed away which i have various feelings about and you can listen to other podcasts to hear about those but i think i think sky high really uh really brought it all home it was a nice little little homecoming to tie into the theme what is it with okay i actually have a question that we need to touch on before we sign off why do what is it about about homecoming because homecoming was not that big a deal in my high school i feel like i don't it wasn't for me but i think that it is in a lot of places and i think that it's even if it's not a big deal um it is convenient because it is something that people understand, even if it wasn't a big deal for them. Mm. And also, prom is at the end of a year, and everyone knows that. If you want to hit the drama early in school, gotta make it homecoming. Then you gotta do homecoming because homecoming, I think, is in October usually. Yeah, so, I, we, I know. I, football I used to have a homecoming so. dance, but it was never like like only like maybe yeah. a third of the school would go to it as compared to like the turnouts. I I only ever went to I only ever went to one, and it's because I was I ended up on homecoming court. <laughs> I, through weird machination we do not have time to get into that here, get but into maybe it. in a future i will get into how i ended up on homecoming um <laughs> yes if you would like us to have austin back anyway. on the podcast uh let us know <laughs> leave a review um and mention that and we'll we'll see you, about if it you listen this far. <laughs> if you've made it into an episode that is double the length of any other episode that this podcast has ever been literally the third episode we have already thrown any sense of time limit out of the window but you know what Sky High deserved it. Austin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been very fun. I've loved talking about this movie. And if you are interested in reaching out to the podcast, you can reach out to us at moviestruckpod at gmail.com. Please leave a review, leave a rating if you enjoyed the show. And as always, we will be back with another episode two weeks from now. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, Austin, it's been a delight. Uh, thank you. Uh, should I say anything? Oh, yeah. people? I don't, I really don't do that much, <laughs> but, uh, if people are interested, if people listen to me talk for two hours and decided that they want more of my brain's content for some reason, um, you can follow me on Twitter at, at, at the funk. So that's at a T T H E F U N K a gag based on my initials that, I realize now is too confusing to be worth it, but <laughs> we're committed. Or if you um, if you play Dungeons and Dragons, oh. uh, if you're interested in that, I uh, myself and a few others create fifth edition content. You can go on dmskill.com. Um, we are uh, unique set productions. Uh, our first book is out. It is um, the Sets Journal to Faerun. Uh, which uh, may include a link if you're interested. Swing by, uh, pick it up. Play D&D. I love 
we, we love D&D here on the podcast. We do. We do. I think that's, that's a given. So. <laughs> um, all of Austin's info will be in the show notes below. So if you're interested in checking out his D&D content or Twitter, uh, we highly recommend the D&D content. Go go check the show notes. Next, we'll, we'll do D&D. D&D movies got to be on the list to watch. I mean, if you, like if you come back on, that it's can be your be selection if you'd like. I, there, I don't have a list. I have... <laughs> Only the whims of those folks who deign to come on this podcast. That's true. You have no power. <laughs> I have, you have absolutely no, power no control boss, so. over what uh, content I am forced to consume in this podcast and therefore what content I can produce for other people. So that being said, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today and we'll catch you later on uh, and maybe check out Sky High, I guess. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Movie Struck. We'll be back on April 12th with a new guest to watch legendary animated film, Akira. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you have a question, comment, or concern, feel free to reach out to the pod through moviestruckpod at gmail.com. Links to Austin's Twitter and D&D content can be found in the show notes below, and we'll catch you in two weeks.